The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. Switched it up and messed both of us up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, what happened just there? I totally lost track of what you were doing. And that voice you've heard along with the sound effects comes for, to us none other than our man in Brooklyn one, agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up everybody? Right here, big Nice. Uh, and you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, typing and talking, not working. So, uh, you can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple, iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording every Thursday night, uh, same bet time, same bet channel, something like that, on the YouTube channel of the, the Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So, yeah, folks, um, another week as some people are call it, well, Actually, we can't call it that because it's Thursday. I was about to say, we have now passed another uh, OB Wednesday, but for the last time. And we're going to right. start off with the recap of uh, part six of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, I, I really kind of hate that they don't have actual titles. They're just like part. <laughs> right. It's, it's kind of weird, but I get it. Like It's like a Star Wars naming convention. Sure, keep it going. Um, so yeah, so we leave off with, um, the cargo ship, uh, being chased by, uh, Vader and crew, not unlike, uh, what happens in, uh, in episode four, New Hope. The only difference is they decided to, 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 um, to, um, swerve as opposed to what, um, the, the, I guess that was home one. I can't remember. Uh, as opposed to what the ship in uh, A New Hope did not do and just sat there and just take fire. <laughs> but then, to be fair, it is also a smaller ship. So, but nevertheless, they're trying to, um, they're trying to um, fix their hyperdrive 
but but it's going to take some time while uh, Vader and the Big Star Destroyer is um, catching up to them rapidly. Obi Wan knows this and tries to buy them some time, and it's like, look, I gotta go. He wants me. Um, this kind of stuff. and actually, I should say, I guess before we go any further, spoilers. We're not gonna spoil the whole thing, so I'm not gonna go line by line of this. But there might be some spoiler things we do end up saying in this recap. So. Yeah, spoilers are incoming, folks. I'll ring the bell just to be safe, but uh, spoilers for Obi-Wan Episode 6 and Miss Marvel Episode 3 incoming in 3, 2, 1, even though we already started. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Obi-Wan, like I said, uh, tried to say goodbye to everything. Leia's not, ha- Leia's not having it. Um but she eventually relents to do so um, to kind of buy them some time. Rokan's like, hey, look, you don't have to do this, but, you know, hey, I understand you want to because it's you and him and this and the other. Um, Obi-Wan gives... um, (laughs) Which is, I thought this was kind of funny. Obi-Wan gives uh, Leia a present that apparently comes comes in handy in her adult life. Uh, which also kind of didn't make any sense in a way. So I don't know if you caught that. So she, he, uh, he gives, oh wait, it was that later, later. Uh, yeah, no. that's pretty much later. Wait, I thought he did that. Um, I thought he no, did that no, before no. he left. Gift, gift he, he, he returns to show that he was alive basically. Right. At the end. Right. But I thought he no he he did give it to, he no 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 he give not, we might be doing thinking of two different things he did give her something before he left because there was a joke about and what even a joke he was like it was empty yeah 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 so he was like it's empty and, and Obi Wan's like I'm not gonna give you a blaster Leia <laughs> just like right. come on kid what's right. up um, but apparently that was Tala's holster that he gave him and I'm sitting here like Tala got blown up so that should have gotten blown up with her if it was on her person. Unless that's some heavy grade leather or something, what's going on to to be able to uh, go unscathed uh, <laughs> uh, at a point blank thermal uh, thermal detonator? Hard to say. Yeah, so that part kind of stuck with me for a second. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up now. It was like that's kind of weird. But regardless, um, Obi Wan gets gets in the dropship and and. and kind of heads off Vader. Vader's like, we're going after him. And the Grand Inquisitor's like, uh, we got to go after these folks. Cause these, you know, these are the people we need to be after. And of course, you know, Vader's kind of single-minded. So of course <laughs> they go off, which is, which also kind of reminded, which was weird to me. Cause it was like, well, they have other ships. They could just send one after one and, and they could split up. I'm pretty sure Star Destroyer has, you know, more than just TIE fighters. <laughs> they have long range shuttles. They could, you know, they they could have done something, you know. They like the 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 um send a couple of ties after them. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. I'm like, wait, so there are no fighters on these things right now? No, there there has that's, to be. There's exactly no way in the what world. I was thinking. Yeah, I was like so. Well, what are they like? Not fueled up? What's going on? Right, but they're just. So happy to be like, uh, you know, it's it's a lot like in the um, the the the, the what you call it, the sequels, mm-hmm. 
You know, it's just like big ship chasing smaller ship, but smaller ship is just far enough away where it's not worth it to send fighters. Right. Or just moving fast enough so that they can't send fighters. Well, that can't be because TIE fighters are pretty fast, so they could have definitely caught up. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. For some odd reason, they didn't send any fighters after them. But then again, they weren't going to just do it and and Vader didn't say anything. Obviously, they would have caught his raft if if he had. To head. Right. So that part I get, but it still didn't make any kind of sense. Regardless, um, regardless, they chase after Obi-Wan just as predictably, and they end up going to some planet which I don't think we ever get any name of, and the um and the the rest of the folks get away. Um and then what ends up being oh, and then another thing that was weird, man, because I think we this is when we cut to uh Tatooine and somehow Reva <laughs> who's still nursing um, a lightsaber to the gut somehow. But then again, I guess the, the Grand Inquisitor kind of called that one. Um, made her way to Tatooine before any of them uh, and is going after uh, Luke because of the uh, message that um, that was, the, that was uh, dropped by old dude in the last episode. So she's chasing after, she's going after uh, them. Uh, Vader's going after uh, Obi-Wan and, excuse me, um, then it cuts back to Obi-Wan and Vader on this planet. They, they both land and they start this fight, which is, you know, starting to be a great fight. Um, Vader gets the upper hand. Um, Obi-Wan gets his um, Spider-Man slash Secret Wars moment. I, I would go so far as to say Spider-Man in this particular case. <laughs> because he's kind of left. I sincerely thought there was going to be a now I have the high ground uh, thing going on, but that didn't apparently happen. Right. Um, but then we cut back to um, uh, we cut back to Tatooine where Reva is found is uh, on Skywalker uh, Skywalker Ranch Skywalker Farm. Uh, Aunt Baru's like, look, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready because apparently. <laughs> Because apparently once Owen found out that she was coming, it was like, look, we got to go or something like that. And she just had just had some guns at the ready, which sad in a way, because it doesn't help him later on <laughs> when they when they meet with uh, other Imperial um, uh, problems uh, later on. But hey, well, they're a lot to... older at that point. That is also oh. true. But no, just to, just as a quick aside, I was very happy to see the actress that portrays Baru get some shine because she actually went through a lot of, you know, crap in real life in between her portrayal of Baru in uh, the prequels and now. Oh, yeah. You know, with that, you know, with that cult and and all that stuff, getting sucked into that cult and, you know, uh, luckily for her getting out of it. Mm -hmm. So luckily for her, she's, you know, had the chance to reprise this role. And it was nice to see her be the one who's like, yo, I'm getting the strap. Right. And dicking it out of the wall. I was like, yo, you go, Baru. You right? go. I was what I'm saying. Like, oh, like Baru's like, no, no, stay ready. <laughs> we go, we stay ready. We ain't got to get ready. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm so happy they did. They, they, they gave Baru that particular moment. Mm hmm. And, and, and Owen was like, what? Okay. <laughs> that was beautiful. Uh, yeah, so you know what? Like, good for that actress, you know? Like, right. I, I don't have her name at the ready, but I'm I'm glad that she had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. 
but yeah, so there was that, and Riva uh, ends up uh, on uh, on the farm. They told look, uh, they told Luke is like, look, uh, um, they told Luke not the truth, which I guess makes some sort of sense. Like, look, uh, we got um, we got raiders coming, so you got to go hide if we tell you to go. Uh, but they don't tell her that. Look, this is lightsaber wielding wielding woman coming after her. So she never, he never gets to to. He never knows how much trouble he was actually in. Apparently, uh, but nevertheless, um, to their credit, um, um, Owen and Baru kind of hold off uh, Reva. But then again, she was also pretty hurt. You know, at that point, but still, they held it off pretty good. You know, pretty pretty well for uh, for, for non-force folks that um, we, you know, with, with non-fighters. Guns. Period. Right. I mean, you know, farmers they're, with they're guns. Farm. Right. So they hold them off pretty good. Then we cut back again to Obi Wan uh, and and Vader uh, for the fight, which, like I said, pretty spectacular fight. Um, uh, like I said, and uh, Obi Wan has his um, his uh, Spider Man moment before uh, rising up and turning the tide. Which I'm so <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I won't go through all of them. Though, but part of it is like, okay, you could have just left. You could have just stayed there. Well, granted, you probably couldn't have just stayed there, but you probably could have just stayed there until Vader left because he thought you were dead or dying, which is a pretty classic trope. It was like just leaving for dead, not knowing, not seeing whether he was actually dead or not, you know, but it is what it is. Um, But hey, he comes back up with a vengeance, turns the tables, uh, turns the tide on Vader. And once again, as it happened to him, left him for dead. But of course, had to because you know <laughs> that would that would be a very big plot hole if if he just right. killed him right then and there. Um, but there was also in the midst of that a a, a moment of like um, you know Obi Wan trying to come, I guess trying to say he was sorry, and and Anakin was like, uh, "Wasn't you? It was me." So there's that. So anyway, that fight's done. Uh, Obi-Wan goes back to Tatooine uh, where Luke is being chased by Reva and um, I guess the reason she went there she couldn't do so uh, she ends up um, she ends up folding at the at the last minute in, in other words which I wasn't sure what to think of it because I was like, okay, this could still go one or two ways. Cause uh, as I have said before in this show, wasn't really sure whether she was going to make it out of this series. And for even then I wasn't really sure whether she, what she, she was or not, but apparently she is now on the path of redemption. I mean, where that's the thing where are we right. going to see her next. That's probably in the, well, it's like I said last week, probably in the book. Cause I, uh, cause I, cause I can't see, and even though I wouldn't mind seeing it, I can't see, or maybe she'll show up in, um, Ahsoka. I, I doubt that, but, um, but yeah, I can't imagine anywhere in live action that she shows up, you know? So I'm thinking probably, probably in the books somewhere. Um... So at this point, the the main Star Wars book is uh, well, and then I take it back. She still could. I must say the main Star Wars book is in uh, Empire territory, or shortly after Empire ter- territory. So it's not like 
if she is still that around then, maybe? You know, who's to say? But nevertheless, that's where we leave that. And then we have a reunion with, uh, at the end, we have a reunion with uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Leia back on um, uh, Alderaan. Uh, which was a nice touching moment because you know he gave a little uh, gave a little backstory on her actual parentage and she, I feel like she kind of sensed <laughs> uh, sensed something more than what he's act- what he was actually saying. But who's to say? Um, and also he dropped off Lola because because Lola was a uh, hit. Uh, she had given Obi Wan Lola early on in the show. Um, so yeah. And that's pretty much it. Oh, and then got the yeah, I got the gifts backwards. Huh? I got the gifts backwards. Right. Or the, the things he gives her backwards because right. he gives her the the holster first and then brings back Lola. Right. Who she when she who she actually uh, promptly puts in the holster as opposed to a blaster at the time, which also kind of brings up something else. Like what happened to Lola? <laughs> Lola probably doesn't show up. In, well, well, she doesn't definitely show up. Um. Anywhere that we know of, you know, definitely it's not in the movie. So maybe it's probably once again in the books. Who just, who, yeah, I mean, it's probably one of those kids droids that you kind of outgrow. Oh, yeah, totally. So that's that's likely what happens to Lola in the greater scheme of things. So, yeah, but I figure but I suspect as we have seen in, in Star Wars, there aren't too many things like that that don't end up. Oh, wait a minute. What's that? Oh, I just noticed. Uh... Oh, okay. Never mind. It's not Star Wars related. Um, the the actress uh, Moses Ingram, who plays Reva, is going to be in a movie with um, uh, Natalie Portman, or in a series with Natalie Portman on for Apple TV. I thought it was something Star Wars related. So, never mind. <laughs> On the next season of Ted Lasso. I know, right? <laughs> so, I can't wait for the next season of Ted Lasso, folks. Oh, wait. I thought that had already started. No. Season three, no. Uh-huh. Oh, but that's supposed to be soon, right? Yeah. Sometime later this year. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, good. Well, then I should probably save that six months of um, Apple TV that I have. <laughs> Before, just in case, you know, just in that's case right. I decided, decided to go into that. Anyway, uh, back to Obi Wan. That's pretty much it. Like I said, she um, Obi Wan leaves off on. Um, well, excuse me, leaves um, uh, Alderaan after you know saying, "Hey, if you ever need me, you know, uh, if talking to Bale and Breha, uh, if you ever need me again, you know, you know where I am." Which is, I guess, uh, probably a nod to Episode Four at this point because. It doesn't seem like there's going to be another, uh, another season of uh, this show. Uh, and then uh, he goes back to Tatooine and uh, yeah, and uh, meets back up with uh, Owen and 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 uh, um, Baru, and finally meets uh, Luke. And we get he gets to say the thing <laughs> at the end. I don't know if you noticed that, huh? Oh wait, you're you muted. Of course, I noticed because <laughs> it's like the one line that's become super famous because mm-hmm. of how it was portrayed in the, um, in the prequels and then in the resulting or in the follow-up uh, animated series. Yep, yep. Hello there. 
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so I got I, a re- gain on that one from my, from on my end. But you know, it's it, it's clear enough, right? And, oh yeah, uh, you know, so yeah. So we got that right at the end. Yeah, we got that right at the end. But and well, the other thing we got right at the end, right after that, was um, like I said, uh, uh, Obi Wan's pushing off to where I guess we find him at uh, the beginning of uh, uh, episode four, or he starts to move toward, toward that direction, and he finally gets in contact or finally um, is that piece enough to get in contact with his old master um, who <laughs> being a little, not necessarily snippy, snippy is the wrong word, but he was like, it was like, okay, you being mighty jokey for a, for a force ghost, force ghost. But then again, I, I guess Yoda was too at some point. He was like, yo, I've been here this whole time. You just right? haven't been able to see me. I'm like, really dude? Right. Which is, I mean, but sure. Because I mean, the whole thing in the beginning was like, da, 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 da. you know, he 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 was conflicted, and that was the whole reason why he couldn't uh, commune enough to uh, to uh, to talk to him. And now he got to that point because you kind of figured this point was coming. Um, like the only other time you I figured would have happened was at the beginning of this episode when he was about to leave uh, before he faced Vader. But I figured that would have been a waste. Mm-hmm. If they had done that, so this was this makes sense. But so it ended on a, a nice note, um, sorta. Like I said, we know where the, the story's going after this, and even though we're, we're probably not going to get another season of this, that'd be. I mean, it could happen, but that'd be kind of weird, I guess, because I can't imagine what else. Like, there's there's nothing but space and time, as we have seen with the books, of anything for them to you know, plug some other stuff, plug some uh, other things in. But it doesn't feel like they'll probably do that with this. And you know what? That's fine. Because like I said, I I feel like this was a fairly decent story. Reva didn't die. I was happy about that. We, we the, the, the stuff was still in place for, for what we know. There weren't, as far as I could tell, any major plot holes, you know, that didn't fix itself near the end. So, all in all, it was a pretty good, um, pretty good, um, uh, a pretty good show, I thought. Yeah, I liked it. I just, uh, we talked about this just before we went on the air. I felt like the duel, which is the highlight of the show, right? The highlight of the show, highlight of the series, highlight of this episode. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the rematch duel between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, you know, basically both playing at the peak of their powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was was epic. It was great. It was grand. It was choreographed very well. It didn't have that extraneous to me, at least that extraneous, uh, f- you know, martial arts that Darth Maul brings in right. uh, Duel of the Fates. Right. Right. You know, it's not it's it's a, it's not extraneous because that's Darth Maul's style. Right. I just felt like it was extraneous because we're not used to seeing it. And we really haven't seen much anything similar to that since. Right. Right. They haven't really employed any, you know, like gifted martial artists to, you know, portray other Jedi or Sith that that way. Right. Right. So I felt like, you know, and and Roddy Cat, uh, you know, agrees with this particular point, I think. That they definitely borrowed several elements from the uh, 
Ahsoka Darth Vader duel at the end of I want to say season two of Rebel Star Wars Rebels. Yes, and uh, oh, it's called Twilight of the Apprentice. Twilight of the Apprentice. Yeah. Okay. Right. So you know there are a couple of key elements of that duel that get ported over into this live action version of uh, uh, a Jedi versus all. Well, Ahsoka makes a very big point of saying she is no Jedi in that duel, but uh, basically Darth Vader against another force user. And we see, you know, just a, a more than a few nods to that rebels duel being played out on the live action screen here. You know, Roddy cat, I think is also correct when he, he mentions that there are nods to other elements of the, prequel and the original trilogy movies mm-hmm. that are nodded to that that are acknowledged during this tr- the, during this uh, duel as well yeah so you know they 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 have um you know there there's inspiration borrowed uh pretty heavily from stuff that does well yeah heavily enough from stuff that's already come before this so you know you could pretty much take you know part part of part of one part of the other put them all together you'd still be right you know we we've definitely seen uh remnants of this fight before specifically uh the certain part with um the partial unmasking of uh vader or um uh vader unmasking whatnot also actually there was a there was a there was something that, um well, actually, it was two things. There's one thing that kind of sticks with me, and the other one was like, okay, I see this, this is a nice little thing they put in. Like, at the end of that fight, um, Obi-Wan calls calls Vader Darth, which was a mm. thing he did in episode four, which even then kind of sticks with me. It was like, wait, everybody... And, I know, and I know it's us in the real world that just call him Vader. You know, Darth is his title, and Vader is his, you know, I guess is the, the name. But... It was like that was it was just weird. It was like, okay, you're addressing him as the Sith title. I get that. But it's still kinda of weird to me. It was like his name is Vader. Like, mm-hmm. yes, Darth is a title, but 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 like I said, it just plays back to uh when they meet again in, in episode four. So when mm-hmm. he did the same thing. So I do have to admit though that I was definitely shocked mm-hmm. that they pulled that they that they uh mimic that particular sequence from the rebels duel right because i i distinctly remember and i rewatched that duel like via youtube or via disney plus a couple of times just out of fun right because it's done so well you know between ahsoka and 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 vader right Mm -hmm. and you know i watched this and i was just like oh that you know i was still profoundly and genuinely shocked when they pulled it off i was like oh snap right so there, yeah, there was that. Also, there was, I guess, uh, in, on that front, uh, there was a couple of things to note on that, which I, I had called to my attention. Like the fight with um, the fight with um, Ahsoka was on one side of his face, with, with the, you know, was on one side of his face, and the fight with Obi Wan and this was on the other side of his face. But then the fight with Luke in Revenge of the, Re- Return of the Jedi. I think the whole thing came off or at least uh, more than half of it. So he pretty much was the one that ended up fully unmasking Vader mm-hmm. at the end. So I thought it was a nice touch. So that people were kind of like, Oh yeah. The, 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 the people that were close to him got like one side or the other 
but then his son was the one to kind of fully, fully. Well, he he got the oh he had the request. He got the right. request taken off. Well, that too. But I mean, yeah. But his yeah. But like like you said earlier, once um once the mask. I mean, once uh he threw the the emperor down the down the shaft. I think he was already kind of halfway there. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a it was a it was a nice touch for that. Um, but the only thing, like I said, that still messes with me to this minute was the fact that, and granted, this is some Star Wars ass logic here, so I get it, and then we can move on. But we have seen people in the Star Wars universe get lightly brushed with a lightsaber and die. We've seen Qui Gon get run through, and he dies. This we have seen twice in this um, particular show. Two people get ran through <laughs> with a lightsaber and pretty much make it out. Although I think there was a point somebody made. I saw something that somebody made that apparently the the race that the Grand Inquisitor is from has two stomachs. I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's the case, I guess it's like well. <laughs> It's also heavily implied that Riva had been run through twice with the lightsaber. Once when she was a youngling, and once again later on by the now, same person. Now, see, I thought about that, but I never thought that it was. I thought that was just her mind, kind of superimposing the two, and it, that part didn't happen. It's hard, but... right? The, the thing is, it's hard to say, right? Because the way the action and the actor portrayed it made it look like they were run through right so, so it's hard you know it's off it's off screen but not off screen because it's right. just below our viewing level right because it was like because well i guess good makes also could make sense because you if you're again going back to what the grand inquisitor said at the beginning like um um something about revenge being a, a good motivation motivation to live Mm-hmm. And right. I was like, okay. And Bacta is a Bacta is a wonderful thing, apparently. Yeah, but you have to get to it first, and I don't know when she when did she apparently get to any. No idea. You know, between there where she was. Well, first of all, it we we do know that it takes a good while to to if you're in a Bacta tank to kind of heal up to any length of uh, you know, to to any length of uh, um quality basically so she had if if that was the case she had time to do that and still had time to get to to uh tattooing before obi-wan <laughs> and however long that fight took or you know because apparently she was there while they were still in space mm-hmm. so that part was the part that got me i was like okay she she was motivated enough to kind of keep on going you know, presumably, maybe, possibly bleeding out. I don't know. Obviously, there's no blood in Star Wars universe because of you know it's Disney Plus or whatever. It's well, it's Disney and Lucas both. But regardless, anyway, that's too much to harping on that. Too much. Just this is a thing that kind of weird was weird to me. I'm like, okay, Grand Inquisitor and what he said makes sense, which you could translate into her. But then later on, when she kind of. Not necessarily lost the will, but she couldn't go through with what she was trying to do. You would think that would have been like, okay, and, and now I'm giving up the ghost or something. That's why I was like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe this is where she just kind of ends it here. But nope, that she doesn't. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's some somebody also pointed out. I was like, well, on Tantooine, you can kind of get a, a cybernetic stomach because as we have seen in Boba Fett um, with uh, Finnick Shan, 
<laughs> Thundercat will hook you up. Right. So, but regardless, like I said, that was no nitpicks aside, it, it, I still think it was a great show. And I hope to actually see that character show up in something, um, preferably live action, but also in the books, you know, depending on where she ends up. Right. Because now it's got me curious. It's like, okay, so they set this up. She's the only quote unquote loose thing in this show. Um, the and uh, loose 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 end in this show, you know that we don't know where she's gone or what she's been up to, so she's got to show up somewhere. Right. Okay. You know, we might see Young Ice Cube also. So I hope so. He was actually pretty good. I mean, they didn't give him a whole whole lot, but yeah. But um, oh yeah, I guess that I guess that does count as another type because they there was a the whole hey you're a great leader. I mean, you're a leader, and he was just getting started and stuff, which almost mm-hmm. had me thinking like, oh, he's gonna die soon. <laughs> <laughs> you say something like that in the Star Wars universe, like dude, that ship was going. I thought the ship was gonna get blown up. Mm-hmm. So, but wasn't the case. So yeah, I do hope we also see uh, his character, him, him and his character. Um, Roken, I think it was. Roken, yeah. Now, I feel like that would be that would be a character that would probably show up in Ahsoka. Because if he's still, um, you know, he's still basically doing the path thing, I, I, I could see Ahsoka and uh, Sabine or whoever else showing up there at some point before going off to find Thrawn or whoever the case may be. I don't know. I'm speculating at this point. So... But yeah, hopefully we'll get to see both of them. Uh, and on that note, unless you got something else you want to uh, bring forth on this uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi bit, I think we can move on. No, no, we are going to transition over to Ms. Marvel Episode 3. Again, the spoiler warning remains in effect, but now it's for Ms. Marvel Episode 3. We're going to be spoiling this, maybe not in its entirety, but oh. we're going to be spoiling a lot of it, as well as uh, spoiling lots of Marvel comic stuff specifically Marvel comic stuff and lots of MCU stuff as well. Right. I'm sorry. One last thing before you go through that. There was a couple of things I totally forgot. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, there was a couple of homages to some stuff that we did see in the comic books that did, that happened at the end of this also, because later with the holster, she was uh, getting dressed. Remember before she was going to meet Obi-Wan, even though she didn't know she was dressed up in the holster and uh, a get up that we see in her miniseries, which if you uh, are watching the video version of the show, uh, shoot, you will see right there. Uh, and again, spoilers for this. So she kind of gets dressed up in a, in a proto version of, um, uh, of something we see in the books. And we also see um, Obi-Wan, in a getup at the end where we also saw in the books from Star Wars number 15. And if you're watching the video version, you can see the, the getup I'm talking about. Um, minus the gaffy stick. But um, I, I do like how they kind of gave that homage to, uh, to those uh, fits of theirs. Anyway, that's it. All righty. So as I said earlier, moving on to Ms. Marvel Episode 3. Spoilers for pretty much all, all things Marvel at this point. The third episode is titled Destined. And that is a big clue as to what we're going to touch on in this episode. So at the beginning, we have this weird flashback to British-occupied India in 1942. And uh, we have what look to be grave robbers or... 
uh, archaeologists, it's hard to tell sometimes because it could be either or or both. And uh, what we find is that they have discovered the bangle uh, that is that, that, that Kamala is using. And it turns out there is a second bangle that they are not able to find. But in the midst of this cavern that they're in collapsing, they need to uh, get out and get moving. So uh, they can't investigate any further. Hmm. Uh, Apparently, there was a tin ring symbol in that. In yeah, that I was about to say incidentally. Huh. I did not notice this. I didn't either. And thank you to Marvel.com's article uh, uh, of the Kamala Khan, uh, the, the Ms. Marvel episode three recap, uh, noting that the that uh, the symbol of the ten rings happens to be carved into the floor. How on earth would we see that? Right. But of course, that is a gigantic hint. Yeah. That is a gigantic hint as to where they might be going. Uh, let's see here. Um, bum, bum, bum. So, bottom line is uh, in the, uh, the, the, the women that are depicted in this are um, Aisha, which is Kamala Khan's great-grandmother. And the mother of Kamran, right? Because they've said Kam- they they've softened it a little bit in the second episode of his uh, 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 with his name. So he's not Cameron. He's not Kamran, but just Kamran. Right? Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Especially with uh, with uh, Kamala saying it at, at the beginning. Right. Yeah. So. So, uh, so, so Najma, you know, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to catch all of these names, even with close captioning. So Najma is, uh, Kamran's mom and she is the one that is left to explain and give a bunch of exposition as to who she is, where they come from, where their powers are, you know, what, what the deal with their powers are. And it turns out that they call themselves the clandestine and that they are, uh, the, the supernatural djinn. D-J-I-N-N. And guess what? I don't know if Roddy Cat is familiar with the clandestine, but this is a very Marvel Comics concept. So, funnily enough, I actually came across this last week about them. I didn't realize it. I don't know what I was even looking up, but yeah, I'm not, like, well-versed on it, but I was just having to be searching something last week and come across the uh, clandestine. I remember when they were introduced in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. like early mid nineties, you know, Alan Davis was doing the art and I had no idea that they were, you know, I think I read like the first episode, the f- first episode, first appearance. And I don't think I ever picked up anything after that. Mm-hmm. I may own like the first issue or like the first preview issue. I think they had like a, uh, an ash can. And I think that's what I own. But ultimately, I never, you know, picked up on it. But I was surprised to read in, like, you know, the the the, the fandom article on the gin, you know, like the Marvel fandom article, like basically the uh, the 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 online handbook of the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. that the clandestine are in fact were in fact written as you know being uh, 
you know, based on or or, or related heavily to this Jin uh, mythology. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So now I, I sort of understand some of the ideas and the concepts that Feige was looking to tap into by not making her an inhuman. By right. making, like he literally says, I think the, the, I don't have the exact quote, but I'm paraphrasing here, that he made her powers in this show based on more her background as opposed to anything else. Right. And so that actually makes more sense. And I appreciate it a little bit more now. I still would rather have Lockjaw appear in this and, uh, you know, let there be a lot more inhuman hijinks. Right. That would be my personal preference, though. But now I'm starting to... um, now I'm starting to understand. Yeah, I get it also. But yeah, like you, I, I was like, yeah, I kind of wish there was a little more inhuman stuff. But yeah, sure. Keep it going. <laughs> right. So, you know, so Kamala is basically floored by this whole thing. She's like, you know, you know, where are you people coming from? But the bottom line is uh, Najma asks for Kamala's help to try to get home. Right. They, they, they basically uh, tell her that they need her help to be in her powers so that uh, they can get home to their to the Jin home dimension, and uh, you know we're coming off of um, Kamran and, and Najma saving Kamala from uh, damage control and the uh, the Stark drones at the end of the second episode. So you know Kamala is definitely uh, feeling grateful and wants to help these people as best as she as as you know as much as she can. Um, so uh, ultimately, she leaves them with some information and some things to think about and goes straight to Bruno. And uh, apparently, well, not straight to Bruno, but apparently uh, the next day he goes, or she goes to see him. And, uh, you know, Bruno also has a lot to, to talk about. And, uh, you know, Kamala tries to explain what she is. She's not anything that, that, that she thought she was, or that we kind of hope she was, but she's something else. You know, she says she's rather the stuff of her childhood nightmares, unquote. And so since the clandestines need her help, she's going to need Bruno's help to help them out. But, um, it turns out that Bruno has been reading lots of papers that are a little bit advanced for most people, you know, because they're written by Doctor One, Doctor Eric Selvig, of uh, uh, of Thor infamy and fame, and, and even Avengers infamy and fame, about um, oh man, I wish I had a a drop from uh, the Beastie Boys Intergalactic, but basically, you know, uh, 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 lots of uh, transdimensional warping and whatnot, and uh, so it seems like Bruno might know something and might be able to help. Meanwhile, um, damage control has uh, decided to play the heavy, and they're 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 trying to search the uh, the mosque that Kamala and her family use quite illegally. And and Nakia is the quick one to say, "Hey, where's your warrant?" And uh, she's able to uh, defend the uh, the. The mosque, at least from this particular incursion by the authorities, the authorities. Uh, we transition over to a Mendy party, which is basically like the pre-nuptial, uh, it's like the pre-nup party, 
No, it's not the prenup party. Let me not put it that way. It's the um, it's the celebration of the upcoming nuptials. You know, I don't know uh, uh, how else to put that, but everyone's there, and um, you know they've they've flown in family from outside of Jersey City, and everyone's just talking. But it turns out that um, Bruno has come and dropped off a present for Kamala, and what she finds is a pretty cool uh, um, gift. I'm not going to spoil it, but it's a pretty cool gift. Uh, let's see. You know, we can skip that. Uh, let's see. Did you notice that? Um, like, I thought this was a pretty fun part. But did you notice that um, Taisha's little little brother had on um, had on the the same outfit that um, that Kamala's dad had on? Yeah. No. Yeah. In fact, yeah. If you look at that picture that's on the article, yeah, you can mm-hmm. you can see it a little bit more clearly. But I think it was it was supposed to be that same get up, probably taken up a little bit, obviously. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. So, you know, basically we transition over to the actual wedding between uh, Ami and Taisha. And, of course, if it's a Marvel Universe wedding, things are not going to go according to plan. That's kind of the trope, folks. Um, You know, you bring people together for the wedding, but there's also going to be um, hijinks. Hijinks will ensue, and of course, the bad guys show up. And, you know, we're, they're not bad guys initially, but basically the djinn have had it with trying to wait for Kamala to figure out what she wants to do. So they're basically looking to take her by force and take her power by force. And it goes badly for everyone. Kamala does something, you know, tried and true to get everyone out of the building. I won't spoil it, but when I say tried and true to get everyone out of the building and you see it, you'll understand what I mean. Got to go with the classics. Exactly. Meanwhile, Kamala's facing off against several members of the Jinn as they're chasing her around the, the wedding venue. And um, ultimately, Kamran does... Uh, jump in to try to uh, take Kamala's side, but he basically get his, gets his butt handed to him during the, uh, the fracas. Uh, let's see here. Um, let's see here. All right. So, you know, the, uh, the, they're able to, uh, to make a break. Kamala and... Uh, Bruno are able to safely make a break for it. Uh, the 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 gin, the clandestines are are, uh, are are taken out, and well, they're taken out by the, the the Department of Damage Control because they happen to come in at the right or wrong time, depending on your perspective. Uh, let's see, Nakia. Unfortunately or fortunately, sees the exhibition of some of Kamala's powers, and we're about to expand the uh, the 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 group of people who happen to know that Kamala has superpowers. Let's see here. Um, 
Right. So basically, you know, having to defend herself from accusations, which were on point that she had uh, done this thing to get everyone out of the building and the, and the wedding venue, Kamala retires to bed and finds, and, and then her cell phone rings. And I love how video calling is de rigueur around the world and everyone holds it up to their face, not knowing what they look like on the screen. <laughs> and this is, in fact, Kamala's nani, her grandmother. And her grandmother says she need, that Kamala needs to come to Pakistan now because she also saw the train that uh, there's a train that uh, has appeared to Kamala a couple of times in the vision that comes on when she puts on the bangle and uh, taps into her power. So uh, her grandmother also sees it. And ultimately um, we may be seeing red dagger sooner rather than later. There's a spoiler for the Marvel comics. Maybe. Well, not just, well, not just that because yeah, it's, she's uh, her and her mom was specifically called to Karachi, which is definitely where, uh, she ends up going in the comics, and yeah, that is where she meets uh, Red uh, Red Dagger. Which I doubt if they're gonna have time to to do that one though, unless they do something like make Cameron Cameron Red Dagger like kind of blend the two or something. But I doubt it. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see because at the end of the day, you know, we don't really know if they're going to be confined to these six episodes or not. Perhaps I don't know. I feel like we don't know. Yeah, we, we don't. But know. I feel like history kind of has led us to the fact that, mm, like, yeah, we're probably going to see something in the Marvels, but it might not go this far as to going further into, or it might lend itself a little further into her her backstory, but kind of adding a little something if they do that, but not like go the way this this um the way this um uh, show is going, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I get it because it did take them a while to really get into the backstory of Red Dagger in the comics, right. and it's worthwhile to do so. So it would be a shame to waste that on you know a, a ten minute sequence, right? So, but you never know. You yeah. never know. But and otherwise, we, and you know, we do this have three. Pretty, you know, it was a pretty enjoyable episode, right? And um, you know, getting to see the wedding sequence, the the mm. traditions. And the dancing was fun. You know, I haven't been invited to an Indian wedding. I know lots of my friends have posted pictures of having been to Indian weddings. So, you know, um, you know, Pakistani weddings probably aren't all that different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not that they're the, exactly the same, obviously, because there's some Hindu traditions and there are going to be some Islam, uh, Islamic traditions observed at each. Right. But um, it was interesting to see. Um, that portrayed on, I don't want to say network TV, but it's as close as it gets. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It was, I mean, I, I can't even say for lack of a better word, but it was definitely a Disneyized version. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you got to take what you can get on that one. Um, but nevertheless, but I did enjoy that part. Like, like I said, up until things kind of, you know, went down. Uh, it, it was a, um, it, it was a pretty, um, it was a pretty good, uh, scene or a series of scenes, I guess. Um, it's kind of funny that one auntie that was hitting on Bruno <laughs> kept, kept, kept showing up, but also, so yeah, but yeah, uh, we do still have three more episodes to go. So thinking back on what I just said about the red dagger, like they probably could be like, well, she gets there and then part of 
uh, part of dealing with uh, whatever she finds out in Karachi, maybe she does end up meeting Red Dagger in, in, in that maybe goes to lengths to kind of completing what we know to be coming. And that mm-hmm. is her, you know, her full, um, her, her full costume. You know, but we probably won't see it until like the last episode, the way things tend to go with uh, Marvel stuff these days. But nevertheless, yeah, still good stuff. So they could they could pull off a couple of things in the the very least in the next two episodes like they did it with Moon Knight. So they they, kind of the so I can't imagine them taking at least one episode to kind of, you know, explore probably one or two before they push things back or maybe they'll end it off there. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So, but yeah, that was uh, Miss Marvel episode three. It was quite enjoyable. If you uh, didn't get a chance to, well, if you you wouldn't be watching this or listening to this if you hadn't watched it already. So hopefully that's not the case. Um, if you stayed till this point and you hadn't watched it, you have been spoiled. Yeah, you did that you to know, yourself. I, I, exactly. I left out some of the some of the parts, but I definitely you know left in most of the big pieces. So. Right. So, like I said, you did that to yourself if you stayed this long. We don't get me wrong; we do appreciate you, but yeah, you 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 can't blame us for spoilers spoilers after we said so repeatedly. Exactly. All righty, we're going to go into the books now, which we didn't talk about this beforehand. But I presume, I think I know where we're going to start off with, um, and that would be one Amazing Spider-Man number four. All right. Give me a that's moment. Probably a good, good a place as any. All right. So Amazing Spider-Man number four is written by Zeb Wells with pencils by John Romita Jr., inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by our favorite lettering Python, VCs Joe Caramagna. So this is a direct follow-up to uh, the previous issue, which has Spidey um, in danger. In the hands of the bad guys, but whose bad guys remains to be seen. Take it away, Roddy Cat. So, yeah, in this particular issue, we get a swerve that I honestly did not see coming uh, and, and made it quite enjoyable for me. Um, so last issue, we, um, um, Peter had a run in with uh, or last issue, last part, one or two, regardless. Peter ran into uh, and kind of had a showdown with the uh, with Tombstone, who kind of gave him what for, and uh, and now Peter woke up and we presume just like he did, he was in the clutches, still in the clutches. Well, actually, he was because Tombstone was there. Now that I think about it, however, Tombstone was kind of setting up something, but we didn't know how big that setup was. And we see at the end of this the culmination of that and what we thought to be uh, to that was going to be happening. Uh, with a certain other character was not the case, which I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but what ends up happening is uh, old Peter ends up doing uh, Tombstone's dirty work uh, at the end of the day. And I'm pretty sure that's going to make him none too happy now that he knows this. And I guess given that, uh, given the, the, the page after the end of the issue that we see, that I assume another showdown is coming. We don't know. Yeah, the sneak preview, the sneak preview of the cover of yeah. the next issue, so, pretty much tells us there's going to be a Tombstone Spidey showdown coming up. 
Right. But I thought this was was great because, like I said, we don't because we are led to believe one thing is going on until halfway into this book. And then we find out that, oh, wait, well, that's not the case or that's not mm. fully the case um, because some things are were not as it were. Um, and also kind of put something back into kind of make something make sense again, because as we said last uh, last time we talked about it. Some things was going on that didn't seem to make sense between Tombstone and Robbie Robertson. Mm-hmm. And this bears that out to where, like I said, things were not what they seemed to be. Although, as uh, Robbie said, like, you know, you could have just used a phone. <laughs> right. So uh, that part in itself was what it was. But, um, but at the end of the day, which kind of even had me do a slight audible gasp actually, because like I said, we find out that at the end that, um, uh, tombstone was, was pretty much playing Peter, mm-hmm. uh, in his machinations. Um, and I was like, Oh, that was pretty good. Like <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting like that to go on. Cause at first I was still kind of scratching my head about certain things that was going on. And this kind of bore, bore some of that out. So that was great. We totally didn't see any of it from Tombstone's angle until the reveal. We only saw it from Spidey's angle, and so we got got caught up with hook, line, and sinker. Now then, that being said, there's another part at the beginning of this that still makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to circle back to that as well. Oh, no, yeah. Circle back to it, we had to because it's a two-page sequence. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is one of the weirdest parts of this semi-reboot time jump thing after the previous run on Amazing Spider-Man. Right. So here's what we know, folks. Um, It's been, what, six months. Uh, Peter and MJ are not together. And Peter had been into something. We still don't necessarily know what happened with that. Uh, MJ has moved on. This has happened before in Spider-Books. So that's not... No, that's not the issue. The issue is there is a child that shows up in this book, or that showed up before, but showed up in this book that looks just like MJ. Called her mom, even. That is walking and talking, presumably. So this right. child clearly at least is at least three years old, probably even more than that, more likely. But yes, at the very least, at least three or four at years old, at least three years old. And so we only got a six month time jump. And this is where this that part kind of sh- had me scratching my head. I'm like, well, wait, because they even said in the beginning, like, hey, it's been six months. Da, 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 da. And we know I'm not sure how long has it been since the end of well, presumably, I guess the six month jump was since the end of that last arc uh, leading right. to the new number one. Still, <laughs> unless that child is a clone and artificially grown, and believe me, that does tend to happen. In right. the cr- that's not out of the realm of possibility here right. in the Marvel Universe. Exactly. Um, unless it's something like that, which I, I've having some reason to doubt, unless it's something like that, there's no end of hell that child is uh, six months old. <laughs> like, so this, uh, there is clearly something else going home that we have not been privy to outside of the, whatever the um, caused. Uh, uh, Peter and MJ on the outs and whatever Peter got into that caused his current um, attitude and, and state of being. Mm-hmm. So uh, to start off with that, and there was also a visit with um, uh, Black Cat who was looking for Peter, uh, which uh, um, 
which started all this off. Um, like, okay, that part was like, but then it was like when the cow, the child, and the whole mommy thing was like, wait, what's going on here? We need, we need some answers. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, that's going to be the long running, uh, you know, that and what, 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 what uh, Peter Parker or Spider Man actually did to make himself on the outs, you know, to, to find himself right. on the outs with like the FF, but the right. rest of the hero community, that's going to be the, the long running uh, reveal. You know, mis- mysterious reveal that uh, Zeb Wells seems to be trying to weave through the pages of this book. Right, and again, not the first time for that either. But like I said, that's that's lesser to, or at least for me, that's on the back burner for me at this point because I need to know where this child has come from in, in such short a time. Um, in addition to like trying to figure out, you know, why is Peter on the outs? And Mary Jane moving on as she has to this extent. So, but yeah, that's Amazing Spider-Man number four. I don't know if there's anything else to say about it. No, that's it. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I it's been so jarring to read this. Yeah. That you know, it's. I don't know. We're, we're, we're like gluttons for punishment when it comes to Spider-Man. You know, to Peter specifically, <laughs> to, to a point, because we have we have collectively said we are not reading that Savage uh, Spider-Man book, so <laughs> we, we 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 know how to tap out, right? But uh, but but at the same time, we've also gone on record and saying, man, they're going to tease us mm-hmm. throughout this entire Spider-Man Beyond story, mm-hmm. and they did with Ben Riley, and they kept us on hook, line, and sinker with uh, Peter Parker coming back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we we can't we can be we can fall prey to that as well. Oh, totally, totally. And and in this case, like I said, there is a weirdly bigger draw here uh, that I feel like we unless it takes a weird turn, it was like okay, forget it. You know, I, we're probably still going to be on the hook for this for right. another few issues, at the very least another arc. Right, right, right. So. All right, so we can move on to, do you want to go to the other spider book that's out this week? Did you read that? You mean the other two spider books, technically? I didn't read, I didn't read the Moon Girl one. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, then we'll go to Miles Morales then. All right, Miles Morales Spider-Man number 39 is written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Alberto Foce or Foque. Uh... Colors by David Curiel and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So we find ourselves uh, once again in this alternate universe where Salim has taken control and the uh, the rebels are looking to take Brooklyn back, um, you know, led by Gonke and Billy Miles's younger sister. And, um, you know, they have to, you know, launch their plan despite you know their best efforts things do go south a little bit but they do find a particular source for salim's apparently eternal youth that happened at the end of last issue and in this issue we get a little bit we get a little bit of exposition as to how all that stuff happened take it away so yeah um uh, like Agent Seventy said, yeah, we were we're still stuck in this Empire of the Spider. Uh, apparently, did you, did you? I'm sorry, did you mention the fact that uh, he found Peter? Oh no, I, I well, I was about to say I I, I didn't say that. 
But oh. yeah, <laughs> I said they found something that was the source of his eternal youth. Oh, right. So yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah, spoiler. Uh, apparently that source was uh, one... Um, I'm yeah. like, that's exactly what I was leading you into. Right. Setting you up on the ball on the tee. But <laughs> Roddy Cat is not into sports ball, so he... You know, kind of whiffed at that one, folks. So well, no, because I was I was looking at something uh, while you were while you were talking, so I only caught half of it. So my apologies. Um, but yeah, so he ends up finding, like I like just certainly said, the source of his youth, which ends up being Peter, an, an old um, an old Peter Parky, which he's sapping his blood from, which is making him older. Which kind of reminds me of some shows that I've been watching lately, but um, in a in a in a different way, sort of some sci-fi stuff but regardless but of course peter's been captive by salem all this time and he knows how to take down salem salem uh so they free him and they and they do that but we don't get to see peter for for much longer because he ends up taking up uh taking um on uh mind spinner which is one of uh, another one of uh, uh miles's clones uh and we don't get to see him again and at first i was like okay are we gonna see uh, uh peter die here uh, but we don't see anything apparently. So. He's basically fighting a rear guard action so he can right. cover Miles and Gonke and Billy's move through the base. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to hold off this mind spinner uh, clone and and any any other resistance because they even make a point of mentioning that he must have done a good job because no one's coming. Right. But hey, what did you expect, this Peter? So yeah, so they're they're um, so with the information they got from Peter in his hand, they're they are enacting this plan to kind of go after uh, to go after Slim, going underground. Actually, it's kind of funny because uh, in the course of this, uh, Ganke tells Miles, yeah, and kind of short strokes, uh, kind of what Billy was went gone through. And what he kind of did in in relation to that, which kind of reminded me of Cable. And Cable and Hope, if you remember that, which I realize that's probably what that's like a '90s thing, isn't it? Cable, um, Cable finding Hope, Hope and yeah, Hope Summers. Was that '90s? I don't know. Like, was that or early 2000s? I want to see that's 2000s. Okay, I want to see that's already 2000s. You know, with the 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 Messiah complex and all right. that stuff. I want to see that's 2000s. We'll have to look that up. But nevertheless, but I feel like, but basically the fact that um, Gonky was the one that was raising Billy, um, to which, you know, kind of put me in mind of the, of Cable uh, in that respect, not much else. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like I said, the, 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 um, the main thing is the, the, um, that they continue going along with this plan. Like there was really not much else to say that won't really, um, um, January 2008, Hope Summers. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't think it was that late. I figured that was like an early 2000s thing. Mm, same. But the, fact that I, um, but the fact that I remember that was actually something. But then again, I guess that's it's not like Hope and Cable hadn't, are not around now in the, in the Krakoan era. So um, mm-hmm. that's also probably what made me think of it. Regardless, uh, at the end of this book, um, I called it a Spider-Verse tie. But it's not really. But uh, they end up finding, uh, they end up finding out that there's a another source that uh, of power that uh, Salim is drawing from, and it is someone, of course, uh, that is um, well known to Miles, 
uh, at this point without giving away spoilers. And I guess if you think about it short enough, it's usually the person they end up coming back to <laughs> in this case. Do you know what's funny? You what? want you want to see something funny? What's that? I'm going to message you something right now. Okay. And you'll hear and folks you're going to hear this and 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 this is one of those times when um you know we we find ourselves doing some research during the show mm-hmm. and we find ourselves um you know kind of like struck numb by the fact that we've been doing one thing one way oh why is my computer decide to go uh Go go a little nutsoy, but um, apparently Bendis on his Bendis boards. Um, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> you see what oh, I'm saying? Oh, great! You see what I'm saying? Uh huh. So we've been messing this up for a long, 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 long time. Honestly, I kind of figured that, but I, I had never heard or seen. I'd never seen that name before. Is right. that an Asian name, Bendis? Well, for his, well, you know, Bendis. Yeah, exactly. Roles, you know, we, so. we we have some uh, we have some uh, contentious uh, uh, feelings towards uh, Bendis and his uh, multiculturalism. Yeah, and his mind comes from a good place, but mm, not always um, well executed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Ganke or Ganki? I know. I'm, I'm. I'm. Oh my gosh! Like what? 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 What else were we uh, mispronouncing forever and ever? And we had to. Oh, I'm uh, pretty sure there's a lot. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Game look, we, look, we, how many, how, how long have we done the rain Ronnie thing? Right. So, oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. The rain versus Ronnie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it, like, there is no short, especially in the Marvel universe, there is no short of, um, things that you never hear out loud that you don't necessarily know how they're pronounced, you know? And then sometimes even when, cause like, like there's the whole Twi'lek Twilight thing that in Star Wars, uh, part that people, Right. That people still don't get. Rain. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, getting yeah. back to the book. Oh, wait. Apparently. Kanki. Kanki. Did you hear that? Yeah. That is apparently a pronunciation or one pronunciation of Ganki. Kanki. Kanki. What, what language? Uh, I mean... It doesn't say on this page. Um, yeah, Sorry for the derailment of the show, folks. But yeah. when I saw this, I was like, no, we ha- I have to share this now. Right. Usually, thanks to the in- internet, you can find pr- pronunciations of, of, of a lot of things, including uh, this dude's name, apparently. Uh... But yeah, this article, this uh, this page doesn't uh, doesn't say. It's funny. Anyway, anyway, we'll move on. So yeah, so yeah, so that's 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 funny. <laughs> that is weird and funny, but of course, sure. Anywho, um, where was I? Oh yeah, so I guess to, to round it off, we find out that like uh, Salim has a, um, another source that he's drawing from to keep his uh, his dimensional barrier up. I honestly thought. 
that with uh, the new Spider-Verse uh, movie coming out, I thought it was the spot. Yeah, I did too. But it come to find out it wasn't. And like I said, it, it goes back to someone that is uh, a person that, uh, if you know Miles' uh, history and the people around him, you know who it is. You, or but you, it also makes no sense power. It actually does not. And I was like, uh, okay. Like, in a way, I kind of get it, but I don't remember him drawing this, that kind of power. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that part doesn't make any kind of sense. And I guess we'll figure out, or I guess they'll spell it out within the next uh, episode or uh, next issue. Why do I keep calling it issues episodes? Regardless, that is it for Miles uh, Morales uh, 39. I mean, at the end of the day, we even, we, we've uh, we've uh, folded in so much television and movie stuff into the show where I remember, I remember uh, early on um, having to correct I don't know if it was you or Tim, you know, like we're we're, we're constantly calling issues episodes and now I've started to do it because it's just part of it's become part of, uh, you know, part of our way of thinking now. Yeah. But in any event, so so, yeah, you know, that's that's it for Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 39. Do you want to go into rapid fire? Because I know you have a lot of books to go through. Um... Sure, because I think the only one we got left in common is Moon Knight. So you never got the New Mutants? Oh, wait. Uh, no, I didn't. I had okay, totally so into I'll, I'll skim over that because I know you'll want to read it. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll go, go ahead and hit the... Um, go ahead and hit yeah, the we'll rapid fire through this now, folks. More Predator stuff all the time. I ain't got time to breathe. Okay, why you... While you're starting off, I'll be right back. Got it. First off is Nightwing number 93. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo, inks by Wade Von Grawbadger, just on a few pages, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Wes Abbott. So in this issue, we we continue to follow up on Dick Grayson's plans to create a haven in Bluthaven for the youth of Bluthaven. And it turns out, obviously... Uh, Blockbuster has no plans on uh, letting this stuff happen, and he is uh, trying his level best to use the corruption that he is in charge of over in Bluthaven to make that happen. Unfortunately for him, though, Nightwing has plenty of allies on his side. He is not alone in this book. He is actively working together with Oracle, a.k.a. the OG Batgirl, to um, to really, uh, you know, tighten the screws on Blockbuster and uh, some of the things that he's trying to pull. And what we find in this issue is that uh, the plot against Haven is uh, revealed. We also have the reveal of the character who's been in the shadows uh, in Blockbuster's, uh, well, basically in the shadows of this book for the last several issues once Dick Grayson started on this path to uh, utilizing the money that he inherited in a different way than Bruce Wayne. And so what we find is that uh, this character's uh, name uh, is Heartless, and we find out you know some of the reasons behind that particular moniker. And ultimately, this issue uh, plays out 
pretty well for our hero, but we also leave on a pretty uh, interesting cliffhanger with the reveal of why Heartless is called Heartless. So this was a pretty interesting issue. Uh, if you were looking for some uh, non-dark crisis DC stuff, I think Nightwing is probably the best place to find it. Uh, he, his name has nothing to do with uh, Kingdom Hearts, does it? Which I realize you, is a reference you probably don't know about. Um, <laughs> probably not. This is quite. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> You're gonna hit me with a who, aren't you? Yes, I'm trying to get to it, folks. <laughs> this is how well I know him. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Folks like, out there know. Where did it go? <laughs> anyway, continue. Like, where did I put it? Because I did a little bit of shuffling on my soundboard, folks. So oh. there's a couple things that aren't like right where I left them, <laughs> where I usually have them. So, But uh, anyway, next up is um, Immortal X-Men number three. It's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas Vernick. Colors by Diho Lima and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So, in honor of Pride Month, I did not read the Marvel Pride book this week. This uh, that was out this week, um, but in honor of Pride Month, this issue focuses squarely on the lead uh, lesbian couple in the X Men, none other than Destiny and Mystique. They have come to the forefront of the X books, and in this issue, we get a ton about their history about Destiny's diaries and Destiny's writings and the manifestation of her powers and when her blindness um, uh, 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 kicked in. And there's a bunch of just lots of stuff for a character I never have cared for before. And it's enough to make you think, okay, I sort of get where Destiny's coming from now, but she's always been so annoying. It's a big mountain to climb for me. I don't know yeah. about you. No, you're right. You're right. Because like you have said before, the only time we've seen her is when she's in, a, in vaguely prophesizing, <laughs> you know, something's right. happening, doom and gloom. Right, exactly. He's like, I see this. It's bad. It's bad. It's coming. You're and, doomed. We're all doomed. I'm like, and, come on, man. And some of that's so, still there, but. Right. So, But the point is, that's the way the character was portrayed when she was old. But now that she's been revitalized and young. And we see her, you know, as the result of the Krakoan um, rebirth protocols, then, you know, we have a, a, a different take on this story. Next up is Moon Knight number 12. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Capuccio, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So I was under the distinct impression that Moon Knight might have actually ended with this issue, thinking that they were going to end on a 12-issue arc. I was very glad to find out at the end of this issue that they're still going. <laughs> it's going on, you know, in the heart, you know, in 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 the um, in the spirit of Savage Avengers. I was about to say that Moon exact Knight. thing. <laughs> right, Moon Knight is carrying on, and we have Moon Knight versus Zodiac in this. You know the the open the issue opens with um, Zodiac taking on Moon Knight's allies because Moon Knight is still uh, trapped and, tr and and he's trying to get away from the 
you know, uh, what we find out are the actually the previous fists of Khonshu who have basically served their purpose and um, are like the the the, go- the ghosts of these previous fists of Khonshu. Luckily, Moon Knight is able to make it back to his, um, you know, ba- make it back to the scene of the battle between Zodiac and his a- and Moon Knight's allies with the fists of Khonshu, the the deceased ghosts of fists of Khonshu in in tow and it's the fists of Khonshu uh together that's that that turned the tide of the battle this is very much like return of the king when uh Aragorn comes with the uh, the ghosts from the mountain and uh you know everything you know and and and, and there's even the um the uh, the hunter's moon the other fist of Khonshu has to pull an aragorn and say all right you know i release you <laughs> <laughs> so that there isn't more bloodshed but it, he doesn't release them but he basically thanks them for doing doing their thing at the end of this issue though we get a nice little reveal uh, that um for longtime fans of moon knight will appreciate this character coming in and i'm wondering if they're going to borrow from the characterization that the moon knight television show gave this character i wonder that was my thought when i saw them because even with what he says kind of kind of puts me in mind of it right that's what that's what gave me that idea as well Mm -hmm. also it would not be uh, a show if uh, agent 70 did not pull a, a, a lord of the rings reference Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you know, something else. <laughs> Which actually reminds me of something else I'll say real quick, because I was watching something that did the same thing. Um, I was watching uh, Stargate SG-1, and this one scientist was like, um, it's like it's like 101 Dalmatians when they was doing the Twilight Bark, and, and nobody was getting it. And then he's like, it's like Lord of the Rings. The battle was like, and then everybody was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that totally reminded me of you. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, have you guys ever seen that old movie called Alien? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <know>? damn it. <laughs> so, uh, New Mutants number 26, moving on, is written by Vita Ayala with art by Rod Reese and uh, Jan Dersima. Uh, colors are uh, the colors specifically for the flashbacks because Rod Reese does the art and the colors for himself. The colors for the flashback sequences are by Ruth Redman. Letters are by VCs Travis Lanham. So we find ourselves in limbo, and there are some really cool sequences in this that Rod Reese puts to paper. Some really, really cool sequences. Uh, you know, the, uh, we we get a little bit of uh, a nice story that involves a little bit of time jumping, a little bit of time travel-y. Uh, stuff, you know, a little bit of paradoxy stuff happening in front of us. And it's a weird X-Men group involving Madeline Pryor, Rain, and uh, Magic, and um, and I want to say Danny. Yeah, Danny's here also, Danny Moonstar. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a it's an interesting little group, obviously, with Madeline Pryor thrown in as a as a as the um as as the as, as one part of the mixed drink, and so uh, we have magic uh, in multiple forms without spoiling everything. Uh, uh, doing doing some stuff. Uh, I'm I'm starting to speak like Roddy Cat to stay as clear of spoilers as possible because he did not read this issue. So we have 
to uh, tread lightly and not spoil everything because I know he's going to take a look at this uh, before this week is done. So um, I believe that's all I can say about New Mutants number 26 because the, 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 the story in Limbo is not yet done. Last but not least for me is X-Men number 12. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Pepe Larraz, colors by Marte Gracia, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is a book that Roddy Cat also has not gotten to. I'm not going to spoil it, but we find ourselves in space with a group of X-Men, you know, an away team group of X-Men. It is uh, an all-female group uh, of X-Men, and they are in space dealing with uh, Cordyceps Jones and all this gambling stuff about, you know, ending the earth and all that stuff. Meanwhile, Cyclops and Sink are uh, going after uh, a member of Orcus who we found out may have a relation to a member of the Quiet Council on Iraq, uh, Krakoa. Um, so that storyline is going to play itself out. The, uh, the, the, the X-Men in space storyline does tend to play, you know, does play itself out with some really nice visuals by Pepe Larraz. And ultimately at the end of this issue is something, it's something, there's something that, um, Oh, before I get to the actual end of the issue, we get, um, we come full circle with the Ben Urich storyline. That started this arc. That started in this volume. It does come back. Hmm. Okay. So you know, it's not a big surprise. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a surprise. I'll put it that way. I was surprised to see it come back because right. we thought it got buried over the last several issues, but it's back. And uh, I don't want to spoil it because I know Roddy Cat's going to get around to reading this. Uh, let's see here next and last, see if I can get this to move. Um, so I can say, Oh, that, um, since the hellfire gala is, uh, coming up this summer, we're going to get a new election for an X-Men team. And so this particular group of X-Men, this volume of X-Men is probably, this is, this may be the last hurrah or next to last hurrah for this group, this particular lineup. Of X Men because they all talk about whether or not they want to stay on this, uh, on this main kind of um, X Men hero team, or not. And so you know we've gotten plenty of characters who say they want off. They have other things going on. We some of them are obvious by some of the other appearances that we've seen these characters make in other books. So um, and some of them are less so. But ultimately, we're going to see what comes of this um, this hero group of X Men after the results of the hellfire uh hellfire gala and that's it for me which is soon to be coming probably what um in the next probably next month next, i guess yeah yeah july i want to say july yeah because usually the well not usually huh. i guess we're going to get used to saying that now but because uh, i think it was like june july last year when the, the first gala happened so cool uh let's see you did do immortal right did I just miss that? Yes, I okay. did do Immortal. I did I did mine in alphabetical order um, after Nightwing. Gotcha. All right, cool. And just want to make sure I got the order right. So for me, uh, we start off with Batman Superman, uh, World's Finest number four. 
Um, I don't think Agent 70 is reading this book. Am I right about that? Yep, not reading it. Go ahead. You might, I, I, you might want to check it out. Particularly this issue, but you might want to check it out. For no other reason than something that, gets, that shows up here. May or may not have, care about it, but um, basically the Batman and Superman are still, um, are still trying to deal with this devil Neza situation who happens to show himself in, in person uh, in this issue. But first they have to deal with a co- compromised Green Lantern as the cover you're seeing on the video version is showing. And from that, um, from that uh, confrontation... Uh, let's just say there's a very interesting fusion dance that that ends up happening, um, and that's fusion. why. <laughs> it, it doesn't quite happen that way, but nevertheless, like I said, if you read this issue, you'll 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 get it. <laughs> and it, it was it was kind of interesting that, uh, from when I saw it. But um, at the end of it, uh, Supergirl, who was uh, on another mission with uh, Robin, uh, happens to come back with some bad news uh, for the group. And without Robin. So, you know, <laughs> I assume they're going to um, deal with that. Like I said, I believe this story is supposed to be taking place in the past. And I don't think it is ever said as much. And I'm only basing that off of the fact that one, Batman is with a Robin and that is not Damien, uh, and two, the, his costume. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure. But regardless, it's still been fun uh, so far. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Magic, the Hidden Planeswalker, uh, number three. I believe it was a four. I forgot to get that part. Um, yeah, it is a four. So... Um, and I'm foregoing uh, the um, uh, um, creative teams. This one's got a lot on it. Uh, so, But it'll be in the show notes if you are interested in this. Uh, but yeah, Liliana has, uh, as of last issue, found a previously unknown planeswalker who uh, has some dealings with the big bad that's been going, uh, that's been uh, um, thought previously, well, that was actually previously thwarted. Uh, during the pages of the main magic book, but uh, this here planeswalker had a run in with them pr- prior to those events, uh, but also apparently is hiding something. And Liliana just found out that that was the case. But she's also trying to keep. Um, uh, she's also trying to thwart the plans of uh, one of the bad guys uh, named Tezzeret, who's another. I guess you could say evil planeswalker, but then again, some people have called her evil at times in, in this, uh, in this world. So people don't like necromancers in this world. Go figure. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Tezzeret and this other planeswalker at the end of this ends up, um, possibly striking a deal, but we don't know what's, uh, but I guess we'll find out in, in the uh, next issue. Uh, uh, which is, I guess the last issue next up, um, Transformers Beast Wars number 17 is this the last issue of this book because uh, IDW lost the um, Transformers license uh, which is sad because this book was actually halfway decent it was, so if you did not know this was a 
uh, kind of a reboot retelling of, not necessarily a retelling, but it was more of a reboot of uh, Transformers The Beast Wars, uh, the show. Things in this book does not go the same way they do they did in um in in uh, the show there's some new characters that had been introduced in the course of this uh uh, uh of this volume but like i said because of the fact that they lost the license they had to end uh they had to end the book by this uh, summer which um i guess it was kind of sort of able to do because they had at least a, a month or two before they well they knew before now so uh but the crux is uh the maximals and the predacons basically have to um had to team up against the vok who are the aliens uh, and their uh crew who are consisting of other cybertronians that are I don't want to say under thrall, but in, you know that they that they have in their stable. I guess you could say, including a couple of uh, fan favorites, um, or two or three fan favorites that were in that mix. But uh, of course, because of the fact that there was a um, a temporary truth that doesn't necessarily stick around that that long, as tends things tend to happen in these situations, um, uh, things flip. Um, after things are, are said and done. But the end of this issue, uh, while ends this book, um, kind of leaves uh, something that could be picked up uh, somewhere else if, I guess, whoever or wherever the, the transfer of his license goes. Uh, can pick up from if they choose to. Or maybe this writer, if they go over there. Because I don't... As far as I know, this writer... Most of the stuff they've seen, I've seen of this writer has been with IDW, so I don't know if they are if they're exclusive to IDW or not. But I, I guess if the licenses are going up somewhere else, maybe they could pick it up someplace else. Although it would be kind of hard to do because I know they had bigger plans that would have caused some things to happen before this particular issue. So who's to say if that could go uh, go that way? Next up. Uh, number one issue that we have from this week is Black Adam. Number one uh, is of twelve, actually, because apparently we found out there's, uh, there's twelve issues of this. This is that Christopher Priest book that uh, we uh, that we I believe talked about in the last couple of weeks, um, and apparently a couple of things are going on here. There's a murder of a, a Kondak citizen who was uh, kind of a rival of of, of Adams. Uh, that's so that's a mystery that he gets drawn into, but also his powers seeming to be killing him. And at the end of this issue, uh, we come to find out that there may or may, may be a passing of the torch of said uh, powers uh, f- that have to do with a descendant of Adam's uh, in the form of this uh, young, I guess he's a medical student. <laughs> but we find him posing as an actual doctor uh, um, when we meet him. He's a young hip-hop loving doctor as at that, so um, like I said, we'll, we'll probably get a little bit more into that as this uh, series going, goes on. But it's kind of interesting so far. Like I said, there's a couple of other, other things uh, pulling this into, and apparently this story takes place before the death of the, the Justice League, so I assume this whole thing does. Um... But I don't know if this particular version of uh, Black Adam shows up in Justice League because I haven't been reading them or is the new one. Because I think the new one has shown up in other books before 
including that, that Teen Titans book. I'm not sure. I, I may be wrong about that. Regardless, did you have something on that? No, I just wanted to mention. I wanted to mention that it looks like we got a few books early this week. Okay, like something on. Yeah, like uh, I was just looking at uh, what, what's being solicited for next week. I'm looking at comic lists though, so that may uh, not be the most accurate. So I want to look at Diamond real quick. Oh, yeah, I noticed that also. Previews kind of had a had a typo, had some messed up on on theirs too, because they had like the same books for two different weeks. Even mm. though they, they came out one week and then. You know, they they were pretty much solicited, uh, not solicited. They were put on their site for the same week for the for the week after that. So it could be something like that going on also. But oh, it's not. A, but it's not outside the realm of possibility that we have got that we get books early. So not surprised by that. But everything everything yeah. I pulled for cover wise, you know, that I've talked about or that I'm talking about right now looks like it's for this week. Right, right. That's what I was going to mention. Is that luckily it seems like we are not talking about anything ahead of time. We have done that also. So <laughs> yeah, we've done it. We've done it. That's why I wanted to. Uh, that for whatever reason, I it, it popped into my mind to look at what's coming out next week because I was kind of wondering about the whole Hellfire Gala thing. Mm, yeah. So I wanted to just double check, and it turns out um, that the the Marvel Pride book is actually supposed to be out next week. I think. Oh, good, because I didn't get a chance to read that. Hey, even though, although that's weird, because I saw that on previews for this week. Actually, wait, no preview. No previews. Previews has it out for 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 this week. It looks okay. like so. Um, a little behind the scenes, folks. I, for you. I, yeah, exactly. I apologize, folks, for 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 uh, interrupting Roddy Cat's uh, fine uh, uh, recap of the books that he's read this week. No, you're good because like oh, no, there have been times. Diff- it's a little different. I was about to say I apologize because it looks like previews. Uh, has a different set than uh, comic list, so that's why we have to go mm. with the industry uh, issued list sometimes, folks. Which is kind of funny because I would be the main one going for comic list a lot of times, but in, in this case, mm. I have to get covers, so I have to go to previews. Carry on. Yep. Uh, that was Black Adam number one. Like I said, I think I was finished talking about that though. Um, next up, Aquaman: The Flash Void Song Book One is my next book. Bing. So, much like, um, actually, oh, friends of the show, I, well, I would say friends of the show, we've had them on the show, uh, but former guests of the show, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing are, is writing this book, so I don't know if uh, Agent 7 might be interested in this. But I'll take a look at it. But um, it is a team up with uh, Aquaman and the Flash, not terribly unlike, uh, although it's a different, because that was a miniseries, um, Aquaman and... Um, well, Aquaman and Aquaman being uh, Jack, Jackson High version of Aqua, uh, Aquaman that had just finished. But in this particular case, um, there's a team up between these two characters that have to do with uh, a, an, an other earthly uh, invasion, let's just say, that um, has something to do with a song. And just so happens that both of these heroes were just out of... Um, uh, for for different reasons, out of a uh, range of hearing it, so they didn't get captivated like everyone else on Earth, including the Justice League. So they are the ones that are um, now been tasked with um, uh, staving off this uh, invasion. And part of it, it, it kind of starts off with a with a and I, I, I make a joke in my notes, a run in, but boom, boom, with the Flash and his rogues, because you know. Anyway, um, it was kind of what kicks this off. Um, 
So yeah, I'm kind of curious about it. It is a bigger than normal book. So it's like, as it, it, it says, book one and not issue one. I think it's like um, 39 pages, I believe it is. So it's not um, a standard uh, sized, uh, standardized book. So I guess I'm not sure how many of these there are going to be, but um, uh, but I know some kind have... of prestige format. Like if you've been able to see it on the stands, you would have figured out what it was, right? I guess so. Yeah. So because nothing I've I've seen in looking into on this book uh, suggested, you know, whether it was like a black label or something like that. It's just a, a um, non-standard standard uh, size issue. Either way, uh, it's 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 kind of interesting. To start off, there was some some, some uh, like I said, the team up uh, kind of comes with uh, a shared marital strife between them because, of course, you know they they they. There's something other than the fact that they're the, the last two uh, heroes left that is tying this whole thing together. So it's a. Uh, I assume there's going to be more of that uh, uh, when this uh, ends up. Next up, though, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Moon Girl number one. Uh, did it? Did, 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 sorry, I'm looking for the cover here. Because I could pull multiple covers. So. This seems to be in line with, um, if you've been with us the show a while, uh, we were talking about uh, team-up books where it's that is centered around one particular character who teams up with other characters in the same universe. In this case, it looks like it is one Moon Girl, uh, Lunella Lafayette, who is going to be uh, teaming up with different uh, heroes. In this one, it happens to be Miles Morales Spider-Man. The next one looks like it's going to be the Avengers, uh, particularly with uh, Captain Marvel, looks like, at the end of this. But the crux of this looks to be um, Devil Dinosaur is missing and has been, uh, I guess, taken and used for clones. Because, you know, you can't have a Spider-Man book without clones being involved. So, you know, but um, in, in this particular issue, like I said, uh, that kicks it off. Uh, Lunella, uh, who is trying to find Devil Dinosaur, uh, ends up at Brooklyn Visions, uh, you know, part time home of one Miles Morales, of course. And of course, they're in that they end up uh, actually literally bumping into each other a, a couple of different times. Uh, between um, teaming is teaming teaming up, and at the end of this, like I said, it kind of leads um, uh, Moon Girl to go uh, elsewhere to uh, uh, on the trail of her missing companion. Don't know if Miles is going to show up in the next book or not, but it seemed like it was kind of like, hey, here's his team up, and then they're pushing off to something else. So it was kind of cute. Uh, apparently we find out that um, uh, Moon Girl finds out who Miles is at the end of this, which I don't know what, if that's going to mean anything going forward, but hey, there it is. Uh, next up, though, we hadn't talked about this in a minute, Maestro, World War M number four of five, which, wait, did you read this one? Because you didn't have it in your um, thing. I did read it very quickly. Gotcha. Um, it was very fun. Yes. So feel free to spoil it because I did read it. Yes. Uh, we get a deep, deep pull, folks, in the Marvel Universe in the form of Giganto, which is basically like, hey, you, you've you seen what... Mo what if Moby Dick had legs? That's pretty much Giganto. 
this is set in the world of um uh, of uh I guess this is in the future a, or a possible future um of the Marvel universe where the the Hulk becomes a maestro. We've talked about this before like I said. Um still kind of going up against the a few future imperfect st- uh, yes. uh timeline. Yes. Agent 70 will not let me forget it because I still haven't uh if you're keeping track, I still haven't uh read said uh two issue storyline. I'm glad um, that you um emphasize the two issue storyline yes which is was also written by the writer of this uh this miniseries and the previous ones peter david so there you go it's all in the same uh same universe uh so to speak uh just like the next book actually so but yeah but this was, was very fun there was a big fight between uh giganto and uh, abomination and uh, the maestro well, yeah and the maestro and then there was some other stuff with namor and dr doom on the side of this um uh, that are still kind of playing about. So yeah, it it was a a pretty fun issue, uh, um, to say the least. Uh, including the fact that I guess uh, Peter David doesn't like. I was about to say he doesn't like women. That's not true. But th- there's a there's there's some squishing of women in this book. <laughs> that was kind of like wow, this is a thing, huh? Um, That's a step too far there. But yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, like I, I'm making a joke about the fact because obviously that's not it, but it just so happened that, like I said, it just, it just so happened the same thing happened to a couple of different characters in this, in this book, and probably before now. Now that I think about it, but regardless, um, right. and there's also a Godzilla reference in here yes. made me laugh. Yes, 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 yes. That is also true, and a bonking of the head with a, a, a helmet, which I found kind of funny for some strange reason. And also a nice callback to the actual way the Fantastic Four defeated Giganto the mm-hmm. very first time. Yep. Yep, 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 indeed. So, and speaking of the Fantastic Four, uh, our, my next book is the new Fantastic Four, uh, number one of five. So, it's new in the sense that it is a new story. One, it is new in the sense that, um, as I find the. There we go. Uh, it is new in the sense of at the time that these four heroes became the new Fantastic Four, that was a thing, which I will go ahead and say that uh, this uh, story, while being new, a new story set in an old um, an old time frame, which, you know, Peter David is doing, which again, this is Peter David. This is a story that takes place, according to this uh, book, not long after Fantastic Four 30, uh, 347 through 349, which was the run of Fantastic Four where Spider-Man, Hulk, Ghost Rider, and Wolverine took over as the Fantastic Four back in the day. Uh, so yeah, this is pretty much taking place right after that. So there's this priest who apparently has a little bit more to him than, than he recognizes. Um... We're checking up on some folks that are underground that are not Moiloids. They made that clear. <laughs> and um, who can apparently see demons. Um, to which he ends up calling for help uh, in the place of our, in, in the, the guise of our heroes, unbeknownst to him. Uh, and they co- end up coming to Vegas, which again, this is uh, back in the day. And I believe this was around the time yeah, this was around the time of Joe Fixit. So Joe Fixit was the one that was centered in uh, in Vegas at the time. So they all end up uh, there to help out this priest, 
who again, like I said, has a little bit more to him than he recognizes against this demon that is pretty much um, stoking the fires of the underground people to, I guess, rise up or something. But it comes come to find out it's a demon in disguise, and you know, uh, he, he called the right people for the job, including one Ghost Rider, who at the end of this finds himself by himself thanks to some well placed words of this uh, preacher. I don't know. Eight to seventy, you might you might uh, enjoy this story. I would say. Uh, can't say I skimmed it very quickly. Did I didn't you? read it nearly as closely as I did the uh, the Maestro book. I skimmed it super quickly. Gotcha. Yeah, like that. It's it's interesting uh, for 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 one of those types of uh, books, or at least so far anyway. You know, like I said, those though we 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 always talk about like okay, this is a new story that's set in the past. We don't know if it's supposed to. Uh, affect anything in the, in the present or future or if this just so happens to be like maybe this is an anniversary book that they're just happen to be like hey here's the story that I had we had on the shelf um, which has happened sometimes or this is a brand new story because it's an anniversary and we wanted to revisit some of these characters which is probably the case for the last couple of books uh, but anyway Duo number two is my next book and uh, my last book actually but there's another one I'm going to bring up very quickly after that that I want to at least call attention to. So this book and the next book are in the uh, Earth M Milestone Dakotaverse of the DC Universe uh, that is the same universe that Static Shock and um, Icon and Rocket um, etc etc come through. But this uh, unlike those uh, season one books that we've been uh, uh, talking about, this is a brand new book in that universe and uh this is the second issue that is um this is uh written by greg pock who i guess we could say we we like around these parts um uh and um pencil by koi fam inks by scott hannah uh, colors chris sotomayor and letters by janice chiang chang so basically there's this couple engaged couple who are both doctors kelly view and David Kim, who developed these nanobots uh, for healing purposes, and they were shopping them around to companies, or one particular company, who kind of wanted to buy them out, but um, uh, because of the implications of them, didn't want them to be the ones to uh, further the research on them. And this company's head and uh, may have uh, some other... Uh, things going on behind the scenes as we found out in the first issue but in, uh, before the end of last issue there was an accident that happened because of the fact that um, let's just say someone's out someone was pretty much out to get them or, or take their lives uh, ended up causing them to use this technology to uh well, one used this technology to save the other person's life, which caused them to be blended together. One's mind is in the other's body, and also they have superpowers. In other words, so if you know characters like Firestorm, who has something, somebody in their head, but in this case they cannot uh, separate, uh, or like uh, Starhawk and Alita from the Guardians of the Galaxy, or the OG Guardians of the Galaxy, if you go back that far. It's kind of a similar situation when you just pretty much have somebody screaming in your head the whole time, especially when this uh, person already knows you and can finish your sentences as they have established in the first issue. Um, 
it, it gets to be something. But now they're pretty much trying to figure out their power set and try to figure out who killed, uh, who quote unquote killed the, uh, why are they, why are they being sought after to, to be killed, uh, in this, uh, particular issue here. It's a pretty interesting, uh, breed so far. So I'm going to probably keep up with it for the time being, just to kind of, uh, see what's going on. Cause like I said, it's a premise we haven't seen in a minute. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, it's something new in the, the Dakotaverse, uh, although they haven't really called out anybody else in the Dakotaverse just yet, but it is definitely in that universe. So we'll see what happens with, uh, with the duo uh, going forward. And outside of... Oh yeah, I'll just mention this book real quick. I'm about to say, uh, there is a book that came out this week called uh, Milestones in History. It was a one-shot in the world of uh, Milestone, which looks to be um, a bunch of uh, short stories of um, historical figures uh, because there's an introduction in the beginning that um, I didn't read the whole thing through. I'll be honest right now. I just kind of skimmed through it. That, but it's, uh, things introduced by a couple of milestone characters, including Static Shock and Icon. Um, and then it just kind of goes into in history, as in like a world history of certain, um, certain historical figures. And I believe that it's supposed to be in relation to uh, the milestone slash Dakota verse. Uh, and I think they're going forward. Like I said, I only got a certain. Um, I only got a little ways in before we had to start doing the show. So, um, but I'll probably revisit it a little bit more afterwards, but it's something interesting. If you are interested, uh, if you have been interested in anything that I just said about that, and that is it for me, we can, uh, go on to clicks of the week. <laughs> clicks of the week. So we have actually a full house tonight as far as clicks of the week. Actually, we've got a little bit more than that. But nevertheless, uh, let's see. Dirt said that Moon Knight number 12 was his click of the week. Good pick. Good pick. Oh, yeah. There was lots of action. If we did not mention that earlier. Um, no, we did. Remember the Lord of the Rings reference. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Indeed. Um, and for Tim, he actually he had a double pick X-Men 12 and Immortal X-Men number three. But he said probably Immortal number uh, Immortal X-Men number three if he had to choose one. But we're giving them both. We'll give them both. You know, and the reason why I said I'm more than willing to give him both. And, and you know, we've done it before. Yes. Is because these two issues are amongst my group of books that I'm picking from, from my own click of the week. So I'm still, you know, considering my pick. Do you have yours right away? Um, I did mention a potential before the show and I'm thinking I might actually go with that one, but I'm kind of teetering in between that one and, um, Moon Knight was pretty good, but, um, Batman Superman uh, fusion thing was kind of interesting. <laughs> Even though it was short-lived. Shun! Ha! Uh, 
Even though it was short-lived, that was kind of uh, interesting. But I don't think uh, we, we've we've pinned the clicks on lesser things. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, we. I like the swerve, and I think I know where Roddy Hat's going with this. I like the swerve in Amazing Spider-Man number four because mm-hmm. it did take me mostly by surprise as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the Moon Knight issue was great because we got to see. Um, you know, different aspects of the Moon Knight mythos expanded upon over these past 12 issues. Yeah. And it's still going, which is great. Yeah. You know, we've got the Hunter's Moon thing. We've got these previous fists of Khonshu that uh, the Hunter's Moon has a rapport with because, you know, he's more in touch with the the the, the, the spiritual side of being the fist of Khonshu. So, you know, Moon Knight number 12 is a strong issue, but myself... Much like uh, Tim Dog ninety eight, I'm kind of in between Immortal X Men number three and X Men number twelve, mm. because Immortal X Men number three I thought was just a a strong character piece. You know, like I said, it takes a lot to make me care a little bit more about Destiny. It takes a lot, and this issue does a lot. Right. Um, X Men number twelve, though, I think serves uh, does its job by wrapping up this particular 12 issue arc with this team of X-Men and setting things up for the next group mm-hmm. to uh to deal with you know certain things that are kind of left as the result of some decisions that are made in this issue so I'm going to go with X-Men number 12. Mm. Okay. And that's X-Men number 12 for Agent 70. Uh, for myself, yeah, like I said, the, the amazing uh, twist was was a thing. Um, the Black Adam book is kind of interesting, uh, even though, well, actually, there's not even though because we don't necessarily know where it's going. We know he has a movie coming out, but after trying to kill him and replace him with another car, with a with another uh, uh, main character, I guess we got to see where that one goes. Uh, Transformers uh, Beast Wars, I kind of hate to see that one go. But nevertheless, it, it was a pretty good run. And Dio, definitely Duo number two is kind of interesting uh, for being a, a newer book in the Milestone mythos that I'm very curious to, to see a little bit more of. But yeah, I think I am actually going to go with uh, Amazing uh, number four because of the twist. And whatnot. Like I said, there was some pretty good stuff out this week, so I don't I don't feel bad about uh, anything that's been picked or that we've talked about. You know, after that, definitely some good good uh, pack of books this week. And with that, uh, we're going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. (laughs) 
Yes, cinematic news is what we start off with every week around this time. Guess what, folks? Uh, we talked about this before. Joker 2 is happening. What we did not talk about is apparently it's going to be um, a musical. And if, uh, if, uh, if this deal goes through, Lady Gaga, it seems, is going to be playing Harley Quinn. Yeah, let that sink in just for one moment, shall we? I mean... Uh... Yeah, that's that's pretty much that. A, A sequel that wasn't needed is now a sequel that apparently is going to be a musical with... Lady Gaga, who, respect to Stephanie Germanata, you know, I can't say she's the best actress. Uh, she's got a poker face. Oh, God damn it. This show's over. Bye. Goodbye, <laughs> folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me stop. Anyway. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> just, just, just how long were you sitting on that? <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> As if we didn't need more Batman in a different, you know, Elseworlds setting. DC's next animated Batman film reimagines Batman as an Aztec Dark Knight fighting for freedom and vengeance against invading Spanish conquistadors. I mean, do we really need more Batman action figures? No. You know, I kind of figured after they did that Batman Samurai thing, I can't say I'm surprised by this. You know, I guess, I guess. So, so Batman Azteca Choque de Imperios does not currently have a release date. But nevertheless, it's going to come. <laughs> yeah, I have yet to hear about a, a, a DC animated joint that that didn't actually come out, especially if it was Batman. So now it says this article does say it's like it's set to debut courtesy of HBO Max Latin America so uh, are they saying that it's going to be I guess it's not saying one way or the other um, whether it's just going to be on HBO Latin America or it's going to go like wide and just going to be on HBO Max just in general you know yeah hard to hard to know yeah anywho Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man films are coming to Disney Plus, but not in the U.S. Um, so if you got those three uh, magic letters, you will be able to find them. Don't worry. Matter of fact, I believe at this point they are all out there in the U.K. Yes, they are. Um, I mean, you probably already own them, so it doesn't matter one way or the other. But again, if you got those, uh, if you just have a hankering for them and don't have those, you know, and don't have them readily available. There's those three magic letters that can easily rectify that situation. Righto. Next up. All righty. So, um, 
fans notice that a gift Kamala Khan receives in the late in uh, the Miss Marvel episode from last week, episode two, resembles something she wore on the cover of the comics' first issue. So, um, there's a scene where Kamala Khan's friend Nakia offers a shirt for Kamala to wear during her driving lesson with her crush, Kamran. The shirt's pattern, Vin noted, bore a striking resemblance to the scarf Kamala wore on the cover of 2014's Ms. Marvel No. 1, the character's solo comic debut. Oh. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so I totally forgot. I noticed that, and I totally forgot to to mention that. To uh, It even has the color... Well, granted, it doesn't have the lightning bolt uh, uh, that is on the shirt, but it's still got the color of the uh, of the lightning bolt. So it was definitely uh, cool. yeah, a, a cool homage. Uh, see, folks, in things you didn't think you wanted, in fact, you probably didn't, and if you were like things me... Things you never thought you were going to get. It, that also... Things you never thought you were going to get. And, uh, and part of me is saying, why? Don't get me wrong, I love this character. But nevertheless, uh, Destin Daniel Critton produced Wonder Man Marvel series is, uh, is on tap at Disney+, Plus with Andrew Guest as a head writer. So, yes, folks, there is going to be a Wonder Man Marvel series. Now, if you don't know who Wonder Man is, um, some I think somebody I, I, I follow uh, called him a D-list. He's not necessarily. I would say probably C, upper B. Yeah, maybe. I would say C. I would yeah. say C because he had a lot of shine in the 80s. Yeah, but that shine has dulled. Um, yes, because they don't know what to do with them. They've made him a pacifist. Yeah, I mean, that was terrible. It's gotten, it's gotten pretty bad. They and made him a villain for a little while, too. And I think he's teetering on both of those at, still at this point, the last time I checked. But, yeah, he had a big crush on Scarlet Witch, so that could have played into something in the MCU prior to now if they had, um, uh, if they had uh, done right. He, his brain patterns was the original brain patterns of Vision. That also could have come into play if they had uh, introduced this character well before now. Um, and both of those could have been a little bit of a soapy thing. But nevertheless, don't get me wrong. Like I said, the the best thing I can say about this is like, you know what? They are almost putting the pieces together for the wackos. And I appreciate that part, but I know they're probably not going to do it. Mm-hmm. We still don't have Tigra. Um, we technically don't have a, a, um, Mockingbird in the MCU, even though we got, gotten, had gotten one on Angels and Shield. And I would love for that one to come back because she was pretty good. Right. Right. But, because there's a couple things, you know, there's a couple things with, uh, bringing in Agents of Shield and bringing in the Netflix, uh, stories and whether or not they're canon or not. Right. You know, it's funny that, um, you know, something that came up in X-Men number 12 with Ben Urich, I was like, wait a second, Ben Urich's dead in the Netflix series. So what are they gonna do if they what if they ever need to use that character again? Uh, they'll probably put somebody else in instead. Yeah, they'll just create another journalist, I guess. Or put did maybe bring in Robbie. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe. Or did they and use Robbie? Use a substitute, I guess. But yeah, it's just yeah. kind of sad that you know that a character like that has had that has had such Excuse a me. longstanding, um, longstanding consequences in the Marvel universe. You know, gets killed off and a Netflix show and, and then the rest of the MCU has to kind of cover for it. Yep. But, um, as far as this, uh, article is concerned, so, um, um, 
Justin Daniel Cretton, Cretton, you may know from the director, uh, being the director of Shang-Chi and the, and the Legend of the Sing Rings. Uh, he is going to be the executive producer in this and possibly the director according to this article on the Wonder Man series um, and uh, serve as co-creator with uh, Andrew Guest, who I don't know who Andrew Guest is, actually. Oh, it says here... Uh, consulting producer on Hawkeye, but hey, you can say that about my correction. Um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Community, Thirty Rock. So he's been he's been around for a little bit. Also, if that's the case, that's, that's a lot of comedies. Is this going to be a comedy? I guess, possibly. I mean, I mean it makes sense. In a way, I mean, th- there's the whole stint as a stunt man he did. So. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they could yeah. do something with that. We still never got that doggone uh, damage control show, but we're not going to talk about that since of what they're doing, what they're doing now. Next up. Next up, Valkyrie actor Tessa Thompson offers some insight as to what kind of ruler her character is and how she ended up going by King as the leader of the Asgardians instead of a different royal title in the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder, which, believe it or not, is coming up so quickly. Yes. In an interview with Total Film, Thompson opened up about Valkyrie's new title and path. She says she's a kind king. Uh, she knows there's some confusion on the internet in terms of the gendering with her being a king. The truth is that's the job that Thor was going to do. Then he just gave her the job and they just didn't bother to change the title because the title is king. And uh, she's, she's like, well, I can be king. The suit that she wears, they thought it was a fun homage, a fun nod to Frida Kahlo. Okay. Plus, it's Tessa Thompson, so hey, you know, I'm just saying, it's all good one way or the other. Um, there's something else I was about that I was going to say. Oh, yeah, it's two weeks away from, from Thor, Love, and Thunder, and they're still rolling out sp- uh, TV spots. I stopped watching. Yeah, same. I stopped watching. I saw it pop up on my phone, you know, as an ad to something else. I was like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, I know YouTube has been kind of putting some, you know, uh, ads before show or in the middle of videos. I'm like, all right, don't do this to me. Click. <laughs> anyway, next up, um, Alf, the animated series is finally going to be available to stream. Ha! Ah, he kills himself. Um, oh which I guess you can't say that anymore, huh? Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's, hey, tr- trust me, folks. That's the thing he used to say. Uh, in the show. So a lot of you folks out there are not old enough to understand what Alf the alien life form was. He was a phenomenon. He definitely was. Apparently still, I saw something fairly recent about that. There was like, yeah, they, they always wanted, I think it was a um, Toy Galaxy thing or something. I can't remember uh, about Alf, strangely enough. Um, and it talked about the, the anime series and the, the, the creator uh, wanted to keep Alf as a quote unquote in a world person and not as a puppet, you know, because it was a kind of a puppet puppeteer thing going on with it. But Alf is basically a personality and some other stuff was going on with it. And I'm like, it was kind of interesting, but I was like, okay. Um, and some I stuff they wanted to do with Gordon Chumway. Yes, go Gordon Chumway. I totally forgot that. I'm like, why? Why does that name sound familiar? Oh, that was Alf's name. Mm-hmm. That was his real name from uh, from the planet of Melmac. Uh, which the um, animated series is going to, is based off was based off. This was a so the animated series was an old eighties cartoon that came up on Saturday mornings. It was him when he was back on Mel Mac before he ended up coming to Earth and he had his friends and he was still going by Gordon 
and there weren't that many cats, even though there was the cats were a delicacy. Blah blah blah, all that this and others. But yes, but now, folks, you can watch the an- Alf the animated series in all its splendor on, of course, Shout Factory because uh, that is where purveyors of uh, classic TV has uh, is uh, now going to in a lot of cases. Probably be on Netflix at some point, sure, I'm sure. But regardless, there you go, folks. Uh, next up. Alrighty, next up, uh, the larger cast of Netflix's Avatar The Last Airbender series is taking shape with the project recently adding actor A. Martinez, the Days of Our Lives star, will play, uh, is it pronounced Ang or Ang? Ang, uh, well, Ang. Alright, so we'll play Ang's waterbending master and Katara and Sokka's, or Sokka's, future step-grandfather, Master Paku of the Northern Water Tribe. According to Avatar News, he finished filming his parts earlier this month. Okay. That's kind of crazy because I do remember, I was like, I saw the name A. Martinez. I was like, wow, I hadn't heard that name in a while because, like, like the article says, it stays over our lives. But I guess when he was on another soap opera before that, or I think he's on so Days of Our Lives now or something. Regardless, um, that's where I know that name, but I hadn't heard it in a while. So, yeah, apparently they're still doing that, that um, live action Avatar thing. Uh,. Hopefully, it's somewhat good. Now, we're going over into the anime corner. Hold on. I would assume one of these days I'm going to recognize where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Super News. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero unleashes surprising new Saiyan form, and it looks like there's a spoiler uh, for the upcoming movie, so I won't go too far into this article. But apparently that uh, the form that we talked about last week, I believe it was, that Gohan, the new form that Gohan takes, sounds like it might be different from this new Saiyan form. Uh, uh, if I if I read the part the the non spoilery part right of this, and I could be wrong about that, it could be the same thing, but I don't think so. But nevertheless, there's going to be a new Saiyan form because it's Dragon Ball. You got to have something. Next up, Super Saiyan Blank. <laughs> I know, right? You know, this is what happens when all you do is watch the uh, watch the uh, the Japanese with the uh, with subs. So you know. I can never remember how to pronounce these things, you know, when they anglicize them, like Saiyan. Mm-hmm. You know? Hey, some because, you know, there... I, my instinct says Saiyan, so I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. I And having having grown up with uh, with the dubs, it's definitely been Saiyan to me. But, yes, uh, I, uh, I know it's sacrilege not to watch things, or some would say it's sacrilege not to watch things sub nowadays. Watch anime like you want to, folks. Don't worry about other people. Listen, as long as you watch it and enjoy it, that's great, you exactly. know. But it's—I think it's still preferable to watch it uh, in the original Japanese with subs. But totally, hey. and the and the dubs are way better than they used to be. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero sets its cast for the English dub. Speaking of dubbing, mm-hmm. so it's now screening uh, across theaters in Japan. And Superhero has officially unveiled the cast for the English dub release of the movie ahead of its launch in theaters worldwide later this August. So I'm not going to go through all these, but I think a lot of these are going to be familiar for people who are fans of the dub. Mm-hmm. 
so I believe there was a one particular note in here that got people all kind of um, wilding out. The name Charles Martinet, uh, to those who are um, into video games, you know that name. You know that name kind of well. Um, the fact that Charles Martinet is, is in this is kind of freaking funny. If you don't know who, who Charles Martinet, he is the voice of Mario. As in the Nintendo, not anymore plumber Mario. That pretty much mm. goes, woohoo, ha! It's me, Mario. You know, that, that, that's it's Mario. It's me, Mario. Exactly. That is Charles Martinet. So, like I said, and people saw news of, uh, of, of him being in this and just kind of went crazy. Which, to be fair, yeah, I can see that. Because if you know the, the dude for only this one person, granted, he's done other things, but <laughs> I mean, he's done other voices, but that's the one that people mourn of. Like, I can't imagine the voice of Mario coming out of a Dragon Ball character. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah, outside of that, there's some very, some, some, some known voices, uh, um, including some uh, returning folks in the Dragon Ball parlance. So that's great. Uh, anyway, Ruby uh, Ice Queendom anime sets RTX 2000, uh, 2022 premiere. And I see RTX, I'm thinking about the video cards, folks, because it's still hard to get certain video cards. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ruby fans who will be on uh, on hand for this year's iteration of Rooster Teeth's um, RTX convention will be amongst the first to see Ruby Ice Queendom, the new anime series from Japanese studio Shaft. Um, the first ever theatrical screening of Ruby Ice Queendom will be held at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas on Thursday, June the 30th, uh, the eve of RTX uh, Austin 2022. Um, which will probably take place uh, from from July 1st to the 3rd. Um, and apparently this article notes that it has been nine years since the original uh, Ruby uh, series started uh, um, in back in 2013. So that's interesting. Uh, is there anything else more than that? No, there's not much more. If you know if you know that anime, then you know the deal on, on that. Next up. As part of a larger celebration of the Berserk franchise, the Golden Age Arc film trilogy is airing on Japanese TV for the first time with a special recut version called the Memorial Edition. This announcement was made on the Japanese entertainment site Comic Natalie. According to site translations from Crunchyroll, the Memorial Edition will air sometime later this year. Details about how the films will be recut have not yet been revealed. However, a new poster and promotional video were released to promote the upcoming Memorial Edition. The video was posted on Anaplex's official YouTube channel. Berserk is something I've had some trouble getting into. I I, I hmm. started watching like the new version, but I wanted to actually start with the old version. So I'm not sure where to go from here. Yeah, I've never penetrated that one uh, myself, but I do. I have known people to uh, really like that one. So maybe one of these days I'll I'll be able to penetrate it. So. Wait, does it? It does say why the, it's called the Memorial Edition. I assume it has something to do with the uh, the creator's death. It's an anniversary. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that's just the reason, not because of the mm. the, the manga car. The, okay, well, sure. 
My Hero Academia's sixth season previewed in second uh, promo video. So this is from a, a, a Tokyo Advance screening for the new original My Hero Academia episodes uh, that were uh, apparently have uh, debuted on Sunday. Uh, there was a second promotional video uh, for this fall's sixth anim- anime season. The new season adapts the Paranormal Liberation War arc um, of the manga, which features an all-out war between the heroes and the villains. Uh, if you're Agent 70 and anybody else who's caught up on uh, My Hero, you're nodding your head and be like, uh-huh, okay, bet. <laughs> Next up. I literally just started watching this video because I hadn't watched it yet. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to keep that handy. All right. All right. Next, uh, last but not least in cinema news, My Hero Academia's baseball and Endeavor anime special set streaming premiere dates. So uh, these are the two season five summer OVAs of original video animations. Hero League Baseball and Laugh Like You Are in Hell will begin streaming worldwide on August 1st. Yay! <laughs> Uh, the August premiere date for the specials was announced at a stage greeting event for My Hero Academia that was streamed on the Toho Animation YouTube channel. Okay. Yep. So again, fans rejoice. That's uh, cool. New listen, new content is always welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, next up, we're rounding the corner to manga slash toy corner business. Um. You mean a transition? Sure, go for it. Spy X Family shares close look at Lloyd and Anya Nendoroids. Um, I am mad at the suspicious um, absence of your uh, Nendoroid, but hey, we're going we're going we're going to talk about that anyway. Uh, Good Smile Company has shared a much closer look at their new Anya and Lloyd Forger Nindoroid uh, figures that are coming our way. Uh, looks like it says here, do we know when we're going to get them? Looks like you can pre-order, or at least there's a pre-order page up. Uh, and if you're watching the video version, you can see the tweet from Good Smile uh, with, the, with the photos of the figures. Again, know your why that's a gross oversight that's all i'm going to say thank you next up still trying to watch that my hero (laughs) (laughs) jujutsu kaisen expands its cursed domain to universal studios japan so it will be the latest franchise to join Universal Studios is in Japan. Growing list of cool promotions and attractions that will probably never make their way outside of Japan. The official, tw- the official Twitter account for Universal Studios Japan announced that attractions themed after uh, Gigi or Gigi, um, Akutami's smash hit shonen anime and manga are coming to the theme park. Details about the collaboration remain scarce, but the announcement tweet teases quote, appearing in front of you with an impossible sense of reality, experience the fierce battle between Itadori and the curses, suggesting that there may be some kind of Jujutsu Kaisen-themed virtual reality experience of some kind. According to the park's website, the collaboration will begin on September 16th, 2022, and will run until July 2nd, 2023. Okay. That sounds cool. We'll never see it. 
Uh, now going over into the comic book news. More transitions. Just reminded me that I need to read that. Uh, I still hadn't read that Conroy story uh, from from DC Pride. Right. Um, but speaking of DC Pride, um, Robin's boyfriend befriends a surprising figure. Not so surprising, really. From Tim Drake's past. Um, so yeah, we recently found out that uh, that, that, that uh, Tim Drake was bisexual. Um, he has a new boyfriend now. Uh, who just got introduced to his old girlfriend, Stephanie Brown, aka Spoiler, and this was in the um, this was in the pages of DC Pride Tim Drake Special Number One, which I believe came out last week uh, as a standalone to uh, DC Pride because I think DC Pride was like two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, the meeting occurred at the closing of the what of the the story in the an, uh, anthology. Um. Uh. And it kind of goes on and talks about some other stuff during there. But hey, if you don't want to get spoiled about it, then, you know, I'm going to leave that out right there and let you uh, uh, discover that for yourself, how that went. Next up. Next up, DC Comics will launch Tim Drake Robin, a new ongoing series on September 27th, the company announced. The character got a media boost uh, last summer when it was revealed in Batman Urban Legends number six that uh, Tim Drake was bisexual. The new storyline spins out of that series and the recently released Tim Drake Pride special. The new series will be written by Megan Fitzmartin with art by Riley Rostmo and cover by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. In the story, a new villain threatens Bernard and everyone else Tim cares about as Tim carves out a corner of Gotham City just for himself and sets up shop in his murder shack boat. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was kind of surprised Tim Drake's been getting a little bit more shine lately. I mean, um, after what? Uh, Young Justice? I didn't think we were going to see too much more of him. But then again, and actually, I thought that was this summer that I thought it was like more recent than last summer that he came out as bisexual. So, but time flies. So go figure. Right. But, I was about to say, we just started this summer, though. So true. But yeah, but they made it sound like it was like last, last summer, not this last, you know. So, um, well, I mean, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So. So yeah. So that might have been actually 2021. Yeah, like I said, but it just yeah, folks, we read a lot of comics. We there take is in that. a lot of content. We yeah. lose track of things sometimes. Like, yeah, like, in, like in terms I said, of like real world time. Yeah, like I said, things have been going. Like we've had a lot of things going. So yeah, like I said, it just it still doesn't seem like it's that long. It's kind of crazy. I don't know if it's 2021, but well, it is 2020. It has to be. Never mind. But it still doesn't seem that long for some strange reason, and. Like I said, time, we're, our time is moving like comic history at this point. Uh, right. Anyway, Cyborg gets an amazing new costume he deserves, uh, in, according to this article, in Teen Titans Redesign. And this is spoilers for Dark Knights of Steel number seven. So this is not even in... This is an Elseworlds book. You might as well go ahead and say. Uh, as seen in Dark Knights uh, of Steel number seven, Cyborg and his team... Um, Titan compatriots of Raven, Beast Boy, and Starfire have only been introduced to the series and a variety of new redesigns that fit them well. Um, I don't know if we get... Yeah, we do. So, if you're watching the video version, you can see um, you can see an image of the three characters just mentioned in their um, 
costumes. Or yeah, and, and their their and their outfits there. I mean his just looks like I'm a suit of armor kind of. So I don't see that as being better than what he's got going on. But in this it's set in a fantasy world, so sure I get it. So this article may be a slightly hyperbolic. <laughs> as they tend to happen to be. Amazing would not be the word that I would use. Next up. All right, so in something I did not realize was happening, apparently the newest DC villain is the dark version, spoiler alert, of Alfred Pennyworth. So this is all happening in the pages of Batman Killing Time. Mm -hmm. And this book is by Tom King, David Marquez, and Alejandro Sanchez. And right now, this character called The Help, no pun intended, every pun intended, Mm. is apparently the dark mirror image of Alfred Pennyworth. Even go so far as to beat uh, Batman in a duel, and uh, has found himself in a position to give the Batman some aid. So I don't know when this happens in um, DC current continuity, but it's interesting that um, that King uh, has this character as uh, the, uh, the the uh, the uh, the opposite side of the coin for uh, Alfred. Mm. Well, it could have been worse. They could have, you know, in the pages of Robin, brought him back as in with the Lazarus stuff and made him evil. So I, that's what I was thinking of. Right. When I saw this. Or Nightwing, yeah. Right. So, also, The Help, this is, this is written by Lee Daniels. Like, what are we doing oh, here? Oh, no. <laughs> Good gracious. Anywho, um, DC's going to kill Holly Quinn, and she has to uncover her own murderer. Uh, apparently, this is going to... Ha- oh, by the way, uh, I guess this is a good time to mention that uh, DC uh, solicitations for September 2022 are now coming out or have been out. Uh, I believe we do have uh, Marvels and DCs and uh, some uh, one other one in the, the show notes. So check that out if you feel like it. But anyway, uh, Holly Gwynn is going to die in a solo series and she has to solve the mystery of her own murder. murder. So that's her. That's the old, ch- her, the old uh, chestnut. You know how that goes. Uh, written by Stephanie Phillips and artist uh, Matteo Lali. The synopsis is that uh, Harley gets killed in this one for real. And uh, since, <laughs> since Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot are not uh, available, she will need to solve the crime herself. Um, just how Harley will die remains to be seen, but the title promises a wild art for readers to dive into. So there you go. Next. Alrighty, so uh, in a dark crisis... Uh, spin-off or tie-in series. This is also from the September DC uh, solicitations. Um, it turns out that um, uh, a reformed young justice of Robin, Tim Drake Robin, Con L Superboy, and Bart Allen Impulse will be battling um, both the Justice League and the Teen Titans. So, uh, yeah, you know, fisticuffs galore. Yeah, actually, that book has started uh, this week. The Dark right. Crisis, uh, Young Justice. This is for this is talking about issue four, which is coming up in September. Though uh, I hadn't checked it out because I still hadn't checked out the Dark Crisis stuff. So I guess I'll, at some point I get to it. Um, Black Adam is going to lay the smackdown on an enemy strong enough to kill Superman. Slightly hyperbolic, also, but still not far off. I guess. Um, in fact, this was teased uh, in Black Adam number one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at the beginning of Black Adam number one. Basically, um, Black Adam is going to go up against the dark side. 
Because at the um, at the start of his book, he's looking for Dark Side for some reason. Does it have anything to do with the fact that his um, his powers are, are killing him? Maybe, maybe not. Don't know. But nevertheless, it is a thing. Uh, this article has um, a, a variant cover that shows uh, uh, the two sparring off, or in this case, uh, Adam getting a good punch in on um, Dark Side, which he did in the in this book, by the way. But it turned out not to be, actually be Dark Side. Spoiler alert. So, but it was a good um, it was a good start of the book. Anyway, next up. Deceased's final chapter forces a major galactic threat to step up as heroes. Writer Tom Taylor and artist Trevor Harrison's zombie epic begins to wrap this summer with Deceased War of the Undead Gods. According to the September 2022 solicitations, the title's second issue promises that the undead apocalypse will stretch beyond Earth all the way to the planet Korugar, homeworld of Senestro. So to stop an undead dark side and his forces, the Green Lantern villain and the rest of the Yellow Lantern Corps will have to work with the heroes they usually war against. Okay. Sure. Uh, boop. Marvel Legends X-Men Retro Apocalypse figure exclusive is on sale right now. If you're watching the video version, you can see the figure in all its glory, but it looks like... So purple! <laughs> exactly. It is the uh, X-Men, uh, X-Men animated series era version of uh, Apocalypse. Age of 70. As the resident uh, Marvel Legends figurehead here, uh, you, you, you plan on getting this? No, I'm good with the apocalypse I've got because this one's just so purple. But there are <laughs> definitely people who are keyed up for the animated series versions because that's the X-Men that they grew up with. Right. There are plenty of people who are only five or six years younger than us and down whose introduction to the Marvel Universe to, uh, Marvel Universe was in fact the X-Men animated series. That's what they remember fondly. That's what they remember best. Right. And so it's those collectors who, you know, have money in their pockets now who, you know, who've gotten some, you know, established uh, uh, credit or whatever and they're the ones who wanted, who've put in the request for these figures. Mm-hmm. Wait, is this... You know, a, people uh, who are just like five or six years younger than us. Right. Uh, so this is a six-inch figure and includes uh, alternate hands, grimacing alternate head, plasma cannon, uh, the accoutrement you would expect for that version of... Uh, or for, for Apocalypse. For that version, because the, the one we got now was not around. Uh, let's see. It's a fan channel exclusive. The pre-order is live now. and looks like it's thirty-eight uh, and will arrive between September and October of this year. If you are uh, inclined to get it. Next. Right. So this is a spoiler for uh, Savage Avengers number two. Yeah. And Roddy Cat did read this. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't talk about this particular part, though. You didn't bump on this? I thought this was cool. I did bump on it. I just didn't talk about it. Oh, okay. No, I, I did bump on it. I just didn't talk about it. (laughs) <laughs> oh right 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 well you know because it involves a character named hulk Varine. yes that so hulk Varine, um and you know because they're they've been transported back to the hyborian age hulk Varine is you know in the story is unable to uh get his gamma going the way he normally would but when he does get something gamma related going he doesn't turn into a hulk but turns into another gamma related creature and if you're familiar with the hulk mythos and who of Hulk's relations, 
um, turn into uh, gamma-powered beings, you may find this one relatively familiar. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. Because I remember when I read this and I was like, boy, you can just write anything into any kind of way and just let that and not even blink about it. I'm like, all right, sure. All right. This is what we're doing. Also, a Savage Avenger, so I didn't really care that much. But it also, it was definitely something I bumped on because of the fact that it happened. Right. Uh, anyway, shocking uh, Marvel character just became Asgard's last hope. This is from um, Spider-Man 2099 Exodus, Exodus number two, which neither one of us are reading. So, supporters regardless if you are, I guess. I don't know. Uh, apparently... It's Loki, folks. <laughs> Loki is the one. Uh, apparently, in a preview provided by Marvel, Loki is wandering through the post-apocalyptic landscape when he comes across a small town full of some colorful characters. One of them happens to be a Valkyrie. Um, but uh, he deems him to be an imposter, and then it kind of goes from there, which I won't go any further than this. But apparently, yeah. Use your imagination in the ways that might end up going. Next up. All right, so we get to a little bit of controversy. So uh, if you didn't hear about this yet, you're probably blessed. Probably very fortunate to not have heard about this yet. We did not talk about this book last week because we probably looked at it and were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, that was pretty much our, 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 you know, the extent of our reactions here. The, um, talking about um, uh, what if Miles Morales became Thor number four. This was this came out last week. So, as I said, you know, it wasn't, uh, it definitely wasn't a fuyo, but more like a hiya. Yes. <laughs> well said. Well said. I'm so glad that is exactly how we need to put it. <laughs> because writer Yehudi Mercado is apologizing for his recent Miles Morales Thor story, which received considerable back- backlash after its publication by Marvel Comics. The What If story showcasing a new Thor variant trended on Twitter and Reddit this week, with many criticizing the inauthentic, inauthentic creative choices deemed insulting towards both the Black and Afro-Latinx culture and the usual Spider-Man's own past. So, um, you know, the, the stories in the, in this what if series that have imagined miles becoming heroes other than Spider-Man, you know, they've, you know, uh, people reading this have gotten in versions of, uh, miles as Wolverine, Hulk and Captain America, and now Thor. But, uh, this one, this particular version was, uh, pretty tough to handle. Um, many pointed out that the book and its version of Asgard played up harmful stereotypes while offering an inauthentic take on the black experience. Among the issues pointed out included him rapping to open the issue, shoes hanging on power lines in Asgard, a graffiti-covered Mjolnir, an outdated catchphrase referencing MC Hammer, and Morales referring to his realm as his hood. Um, on his Twitter account, writer Yehudi Mercado, who is half-Jewish and half-Mexican from Texas... Not exactly from Brooklyn. He offered an apology for his portrayal of the character. He wrote that he acknowledges the criticism and backlash and understands that inauthenticity hurts, mentioning his Jewish and Mexican background. Yeah, big whoop, dude. You're from Texas, son. 
Otto admits he failed to make his story authentic and appreciates hearing from black and Puerto Rican comic peers. How about some from some Brooklyn people, yo? The writer of the Thor variant of Miles Morales promised to do better and said he would donate the entire amount Marvel paid him to the Brooklyn Book Bodega, an organization that works with kids to build literacy in New York City. I mean, seriously, yo. You are not. <laughs> I was about to say if if, if folks uh, did not if didn't if eight to seven didn't make that blatantly clear, he is a, a Brooklynite. So yes, born and raised, son. So <laughs> what bothers me is right. You know, like I get it. You know, it's tough that we don't have uh, enough black writers or enough uh, Latinx writers to portray. Um, uh, Miles' experience in Brooklyn. I get that. His regular writer, Saladin Ahmed, who is of, uh, I believe, you know, like of, you know, some kind of uh, Muslim descent. Mm-hmm. But he, he lived in Brooklyn for a while. Mm-hmm. Right? So he brought some authenticity to his to, to Miles' stories. Right. You know, I know that he moved back to Detroit, I think, just prior to the pandemic. But uh, my understanding is that Saladin Ahmed went to Brooklyn College. You know, one of the CUNY schools here and got a degree. Mm-hmm. So he lived the Brooklyn. He lived the section of Brooklyn where he set the um, the New Horizon School. Is that what it's called? Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Visions. Brooklyn, right, Brooklyn Vision School. Yeah. You know, so he lived that. that. You know, he gave reference to the artist to draw that particular section of Brooklyn, which is not far from my home. So I would rather get that level of authenticity at least. Right, but to mm-hmm. give this, I mean, how did this get past editorial? That's, That's the thing what the that part bothers was, me. That was the part that I was actually just about to bring up because, like, yes, assistant editor, editor, somebody up the chain should have should have uh, hit a, on this. Now, granted, I don't think there aren't that many black editors there or anywhere in the or that many uh, in anywhere in the comics uh, um, field, honestly. Right, but. Regardless, somebody should have hit up on that uh, in the past. By the way, Marvel, DC, or anybody, if you need an editor, uh, you can hire me. I, I don't have much experience, but I'm just saying I could do it right. I could, I could hook you up. Just, I can do it. I can do it part time. I I'm can represent saying. the Brooklyn. I can do it full time because I'm looking for a job anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but my point being, like you know, like I understand uh, that that we would much rather have black writers uh, uh, writing black uh, character stories. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if at the very least you can do, at the least that you can do is portray some like re- like like some of the realest things that are happening in Brooklyn right now, and talking to young, uh, young adults, young kids who are living in Brooklyn right now, that is the reference that you need. Mm-hmm. Indeed, that's that's what you need. And even if it's not Brooklyn centric, you know, just just in general, we could stand to use that in the comics field. Just right, more oversight. Be, be nice, more you know, more people of color writing, um, arting. Well, we do have art. Art's kind of sort of covered, but writing, art, editors especially, would be great in situations like this to keep things like this from happening, or hopefully keeping things like this from happening. Because yeah. there are probably some people who will probably be like, "Yeah, this is what it, this is it," you know, but it's not it. Right. So this is it's edited by Tom Groenman. Because, of course, now I'm going to call him out. Tom Groenman was the editor on this book. Nick Lowe, who's normally a good editor, was the supervising editor. So uh, he yeah. probably only took a quick pass at this, but still. Mm. And, of course, Sobolski, who has his own issues, is the editor-in-chief. 
Right. Well, low is over. Low is over the Spider-Man corner, correct? Right. Yeah. So that it's, yeah, kind of under his purview. But nevertheless, like I said, yeah, kind of could have put some more eyes on that. Okay, grown men, seriously, man, you're making me groan, son. <laughs> Moving right along. For the eight to seven of these puns tonight. What's going on? <laughs> you know, I'm just you know like it. it I, I I really like. You know, like, I remember skimming this being like, nope, not worth it, not worth it, you know. Mm. Uh, but then I started to see some of the, uh, the, the, the the feedback and the pushback. I was like, oh, my God. You know, it really has hit the mainstream. So, right. you know, I'm glad that we have a story to talk about it this week because that was just shameful. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I love a good what-if story. Love a good, you know, uh, switching up the character a little bit. But that's just a, a bridge a little too far. Yep. The, the way that happened. Next up, though. Uh, New Conan and Brombarian Comics publisher revealed after Marvel, so I think we have talked about it in the past, that the Conan license that Marvel had and hasn't had for that long, by the way, um, or hasn't rehad, I should guess to say, because they've had it before. Regardless, uh, they've only had it for a couple of years. Now they're losing it again. Uh, apparently the, the license is now going to tighten uh, in May 2023, I thought it was this year, but it may, I might have been confusing that with um, the the Transformers license because I was wondering why Savage Avengers just started when they were losing the license. So they still have a, and I think I talked about this last when we talked about whenever Savage Avengers. But regardless, uh, May 2023 is when Titan Publishing is going to take over the reins of the uh, Conan license. Uh, Titan is a UK-based publisher. We have talked to us about a couple of some of their books. Wait, is Gun, Hun- Gun Honey is Titan, isn't it? I forget. Yeah, I know they had the James Bond license for a while. They may still have it. I can't remember if they do or not. But they've they've had some stuff we've talked about in the past. Um, sometimes we get books from them. Sometimes we don't. So, and none of us were reading Conan, but except for the Savage stuff anyway. So it kind of doesn't matter. Regardless, that's where Conan is going to next. Yes, Gun Honey is from Titan Comics. Haha. And there's a Good Gun Honey call. There's a Gun Honey story actually coming up later uh uh later later in the news. Next up. So, uh in Marvel Star Wars 25, Charles Soule and Will Sliney revisit the rise of Kylo Ren for a story evidently set immediately after The Last Jedi. So, um with the release of the upcoming Star Wars 25, Number 25, writer Charles Soule will have pinned exactly 100 total comic book issues set within the galaxy far, far away. To mark the occasion, it will be a giant-sized issue that sees Soule routine with some of his most notable collaborators to revisit his previous Star Wars stories, including his and artist Will Sliney's The Rise of Kylo Ren. Okay. Sure. I mean, if that's what you're if that's what you're into, I'm okay. I'm slightly surprised they're doing it in uh, in the main book as opposed to another miniseries, but I guess they have their reasons. Mm-hmm. So, sure, <laughs> I will. Chances are, I'll be reading it. Star Wars officially kicks off the war between the Sith and Crimson Dawn, which I believe is this week. Um, uh, I actually let me. Oops, y'all didn't mean y'all didn't see that. Uh, but anyway. Uh, let's see, spoilers for Star Wars Crimson Rain, which is an ongoing thing. Star Wars Crimson Rain number five, to be specific, and I believe that is the one that is com- uh, from this week, which I did not get a chance to read. It was either this week or last week. 
Um, I'm just confirming it. No, that's this week. So, yeah. Um, basically, um, Palpatine finds out about Crimson Dawn, which basically um, Kira did not want to do because anonymity was kind of the thing they were, she's been uh, banking on with her group. Um, Vader kind of already knew about them and, and I guess I have a strange feeling that's probably how Palpatine finds out even though Vader's kind of been doing his own thing uh, in relation to the Crimson Dawn. So, yeah. I guess it's all going to come to a head uh, after this week. Uh, I guess I have to read and check out what's going on with that. Next up. A new comic book series from IDW Publishing will warp the valiant Jean-Luc Picard back in the captain's chair of the USS Stargazer to fill in the gap between seasons two and three of the Star Trek Picard series. Uh, Let's see. So this is co-written by Mike Johnson and uh, Picard co-creator Kirsten Bayer with illustrations by artist Angel Hernandez. Um, This is a three-issue title that serves as a bridge. Let's see here. Um, it's three ninety nine. When is it coming out? Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Lands on August twenty fourth. Thank you. Yeah, and of course, you know we'll probably be talking about it because one of us <laughs> me <laughs> will be reading that. Mm-hmm. Um. Is that not? Never mind. Doesn't matter. Um, some interesting news: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 1980s cartoon returns for new IDW series. And I saw this title and thought, "Oh, is this like the GI Joe uh, Saturday Morning Real American Heroes Saturday Morning Adventures uh, that we just got?" Kinda. Hmm. Because um, per Newsarama, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures which is the name of the book, comes from the creative team of Eric Burnham and Tim Lady, Laddie, I guess, uh, which I believe is the writer of that G.I. Joe uh, Real American Hero Saturday Morning Adventures, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and it also confirms that here. Uh, it sets launch this September. The series tells awesomely absurd, quote-unquote, stories of, such as one of General Krang's uh, stalwart stone soldiers abandoning their person in pursuit of hair metal superstardom, according to this article. Illustrated in the styles of 1980s TMT MNT animated series. Uh, Burnham previously penned, like I said, the D.I. Joe uh, Real American Hero Saturday Morning Adventures, which, hey, you should really check out. It's pretty good. Um, another four-issue series similarly based on the original G.I. Joe cartoon, like I said. So, yeah, this is... Um, let's see, main cover art by Laddie, who is also recording a variant cover, and, of course, uh, Kevin Eastman, cro- uh, co-creator, um, also is doing variant covers f- with uh, Tony Gregori. So, cool. I will definitely check that out. Uh, September 2022, like I said. Next up. Next up, after making it worse, Amazon has plans to fix Comixology, and it still has a long way to go. So approximately four months after Amazon incorporated Comixology into the Kindle app and kind of broke both in the process, it has outlined a number of plans to fix things. io9 noted that a thread was posted to the Comixology account on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Let's see here. 
Uh, right. So it says that um, there will be a beta version of the web reading experience that will bring back the double page spread. And there will be a new section that shows all the weekly comic releases in alphabetical order by title. So it's not clear why the merging of the two apps resulted in the loss of so many necessary features for reading comics. But as deeply frustrating as Comixology is currently the only service available if you want to purchase digital comics piecemeal from a wide variety of publishers, including DC Comics. So there's no explicit timeline on when all these changes will come to the service. Some changes will be in the, quote, coming weeks. While Comixology says it will let you know. When other features launch, you can read the whole thread online and then come back and talk about when they plan to fix Goodreads, another Amazon-owned service that's just gotten worse the longer Amazon has owned it. Wow, and that's been a while. <laughs> They've had Goodreads for a, a good minute. Good gracious. Um, yeah, they didn't have to do anything. Oh, I don't understand why they put a Comixology under the umbrella. Just They basically just made it a uh, Amazon site. They could have left it like it on and it would have been fine. Makes no sense whatsoever. Anyway, I dare say, whoo, because of this next story. And I apologize if, if, if this person is problematic, but... Um, Rick Flair, James Hake, uh, talk launching new codename Rick Flair con- uh, comic. So, wait, Ric Flair is actually getting back into the ring? <laughs> wow, he's like 70 or something. Anyway, um, apparently he's step- actually stepping back into the ring uh, on July 30- 31st and back in, in, back in, in Nashville. But he's going to be taking his first steps into the world of comic books. Uh, of course, this is a Scout Comics joint. Um Written by Scout Comics president James Hake with art from Rafael Loreo. Codename Ric Flair is an upcoming series that poses a question. What if when Flair recovered from his 1975 plane crash... Wait, what? uh, He not only became the nature boy, he also started working as a secret agent for the U.S. government. Um, Flair, Hake... And project manager Kelly Brewster sat down with comicbook.com recently to discuss... Did Tim write this? No, he did not. Um, but uh, the rest goes on into um, an article talking with uh, folks about that. And also some history, I guess, with uh, Ric Flair. So if you're a wrestling fan, hey, there you go. There's another wrestling book out there for you, if you are so inclined. Next. All right, in the Exiled... Wesley Snipes is returning to comic books with a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, Let's see here. Snipes is listed as one of the creators of the project alongside Keith Aram and Adam Lawson, with Lawson serving as the writer. Together, the trio worked with artist Gabriel Esquivo Santos and colorist Valentina Bianconi on the project. Okay. Um... The lead character, Detective Niles Roach Washington, is based on Snipes, and the actor tells us the character might be his blade killer. He better be a blade killer. Uh, I don't know if he'll take blade completely out, but at least uh, they'll be good buddies. Okay. And always bet on black. Right. Uh, Gun Honey, Blood for Blood, number two, reveals a collection of tantalizing covers. Um, so, yeah, we I think we talked about another set of covers for issue one. This is a similar article for issue two of the next volume of Gun Honey. Um, according to this article, the series has become a breakout hit for Titan Comics, uh, with it ranking as 2021's number one best-selling non-premier comic. 
a TV series is now in developer by in, in development, excuse me, by uh, Peter Sagan of Haven and Dead Zone fame and Malaysia-based Double Vision, The Bridge, whatever that is. The crime series has been praised by comic book noir masters, including Ed Brubaker, which that's kind of high praise, uh, right. Max Allen Collins, and Dwayne Swazinski. Uh, and with Brubaker calling it the finest kind of pulp noir, which, again, is high praise coming from uh, Ed Brubaker. Right. So, um, man, what happened to Velvet? I wish he would come back with that. Uh, Pooh Baker. <laughs> Velvet was pretty good. I don't know if, if anybody read that book, um, but Velvet was pretty good. It's basically like, what if Money Pen- James Bond's Money Penny was the best secret agent uh, they had? What was the most badass secret agent they had? It was pretty great. Anywho, um, oh, Haven, the TV show. I remember that show. Ooh. Okay. But yeah, anyway, um, Gun Honey Blood for Blood number two of four is going to release September 21st, 2021. Uh, no other um, no other news on when the actual show is coming, but this is the first hearing about that, though, that right. there's going to be a show. Next up. Did you really just say September 21st, 2021? I did do that. I probably did. 2022. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This, is actually the, this might have been the first time I've done that, actually, by the way, this year. So... <laughs> So yeah, the fact that it took this long, year, okay. yeah, yeah, the fact that it took this long is is amazing. So clap. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was gonna say that's it. That's the last story yeah, I have. Yeah, no, that's that's not it. That was a that was a that was a wiki uh, article I had up that I forgot to um to go. But yeah, that is it for the stories. Um, we are going to go into the last ad read actually. You know our last ad read is going to be the quickest one we have when it's late. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Compo Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. All right, folks. Boop. That's it for another episode of this kind of comic book chronicles. Thank you, each and every one of you all, for coming out. My name is Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnews Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore Dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Network dot com is all his umbrella sites therein. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. Uh, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. Uh, TheClickNation.com. Um, but also, most importantly, ComicBook.com, where he's over there writing his face off. You can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast Lizard Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. Um, on the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Uh, 
uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, folks. Uh, we got some Miss Marvel. Uh, Obi Wan's gone, but we still got some episodes of uh, Miss Marvel uh, still on deck. So we will definitely be back with that before we go into movie protocol the week after. Exactly. Like I may, I may drop. I'll probably finish uh, the third season of The Umbrella Academy mm-hmm. by that point. So I may just drop a few nuggets on that. Roddy Cat is not up on that show at all, so I will just speak in the broadest strokes. Sure. Uh, unless I, some way, shape, or form, I get caught up on that, which doesn't seem likely at this point. But Unlikely, but yeah. <laughs> hey, never underestimate my binge powers. Actually, do, <laughs> do very much overestimate. If people know I'm notoriously not a binge watcher, so right. <laughs> even even the, the stuff I'm going through right now, I've been taking my time with. Anyway, all of that, neither here nor there. Uh, this, folks, has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn.